It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get arrested! No! They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. We. Are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we are the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co host, Speedy Petey. 631 672 3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedster, what's up, man? Well, finally, well rested after our uh, early morning on Sunday, broadcasting all those uh, football games we had to broadcast. We broadcasted. You were fantastic. By yes, the way. we broadcasted a total of seven total youth football games mm-hmm. in Northport. Ten and hours. Yeah, it was a, it was a marathon, that's for sure. But well rested after that. Had a fun time broadcasting that. Couldn't do a cartwheel, but that's besides the point. Oh, <laughs> that was embarrassing, wasn't it? Yes, I well, cannot I do it. I embarrassed you. I was very proud of myself. I, I haven't attempted to do a cartwheel probably since like three years ago. So yes, in front of all the kids, ladies and gentlemen, Speedy tried yes, to do I, a cartwheel. I, I choked in front of the uh, the cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> they were young cheerleaders. Okay, so yes. it wouldn't have mattered. But if they were, then, you know, what, what, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny. Uh, that's and yes, I, I and I always do that. I always throw you under the bus when I get a ch- when I get an opportunity to do that. But I, uh, it was great. It was a great opportunity. Thank you to Benjamin Carey and uh, East Northport. Was it East Northport? It was Northport. Northport. They made sure that you High remembered school. that. Well, the parents did. Yeah, they love to take shots at. They me. were pretty belligerent to making you knowing it was well Northport, not East Northport. It was still East, South, North, West. It's all Northport. Who cares? But. Uh, uh, the Northport uh, School and, and all the different teams over there and, and different age groups. And then we got a chance to see Pat Med. I, I was very excited about that. My old high school, uh, their, I guess their fourth grade football team, I think it was. I think, it, yeah, or fifth. I, it was, I think it's 10U, their football team. I don't know what age group that would be, either fourth or fifth grade. Nevertheless, I had a lot yeah. of fun. So did Speedy. And we were there a lot longer than we thought we were going to. But thank yep. you to Benjamin Carey and the Northport School District for inviting us to do what we do best. Enjoy the entertainment, ladies and gentlemen, because that's what we are. Uh, we have a great show lined up for you guys a little bit after, I would say, in the next 25 minutes. Uh, we will have, and we will be talking to Elon assistant baseball coach Jerry Oaks. If you don't remember Jerry, Jerry was on our show about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago. And uh, a lot of surprises with Jerry because uh, both of us have the same birthday. I'm actually a little bit older than he is, that we were born almost the same time. And uh, a lot of things kind of like came together in the conversation. So Jerry joining us, uh, my uh, blood or my brother from another mother. Birthday twin. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, he will be joining us a little bit in a little bit in a little bit. 
at 8.30, we'll be talking to football sapient owner and scouting consultant, our friend John Vogel. He'll be joining us again. Uh, this will be the second time. It's the third time. He was on on his own at first, and then he was part of the draft panel. Oh, I, and now, I, that's right. That's and, now, right. and now he'll be on a third time. He is very happy as a uh, Tennessee fan mm. after they beat Alabama, and also an Eagles fan, too, the way they're playing. I think John was the one that took shots at Brees Hall. And Sauce Gardner. He wasn't high on Sauce Gardner. Either. I, I think he's going to eat his words when he comes back on the show. Um, Yankees beat the Guardians in five games. I think a lot of Yankee fans were very exciting, especially when they were were ringing or raking the little baby in their hands. So what a, what ring around the rosy? What do they call that? Uh, cradling the baby or cradling the baby? Cradling the baby. Yes, but uh, the Yankee fans were very happy to take uh, shots at Naylor, especially uh, he wasn't uh, cradling the baby at Yankee Stadium in Game Number Five uh, because the Yankees knock off. The Guardians, a very good young Guardians team yes. uh, that a lot of people were taking shots at uh, Terry Francona that he, they didn't they didn't start their star pitcher in Bieber who thought he was ready to pitch in a game five, even though it's on three games rest. He's right. never played on three games rest. I don't think they want to put their young and franchise player uh, in a game where he can blow out his shoulder. So uh, I think it was a smart move, a smart move by Francona just to, you know, it, it just so happens they were tired and they were worn, worn out after the first series they had to play. But uh, congratulations to the Guardians. It was a great yep. season for them. Uh, they're a team in waiting. And what I mean by that, they could be an up-and-coming team that I believe, one way or another, will win a World Series very, very soon. Um, and they advance. The Yankees advance to the ALCS tonight as they start their series. And I think this is a good move because the Yankees aren't sitting around like they did in the wild card series, I think the Yankees, this is this benefits the Yankees that they're going right into a series against the Astros. And uh, Taon will be starting tonight against Justin Verlander, who loves to play against the Yankees, by the way. Uh, Phillies and Padres in the NL- NLCS. I think a lot of people are surprised about that as the Braves and the Dodgers, two very big favorites coming out of the National League, uh, get knocked out in their uh, divisional series. And uh, right now, uh, the San Diego Padres are up 7-4 to four against the Phillies in game number two as the Philadelphia Phillies have a one-game to zil lead right now. I was so, right about the Padres dead wrong with the Phillies. <laughs> I was right. Yes, you were. Um, the Giants come back to beat the Ravens 24-20. A uh, lot of things to talk about with football this com- this past week for the Yan- for the Yankees for the Giants and the Jets uh, as the New York Jets blow out the Packers twenty seven to ten and really a statement game on who the Jets are as an organization and where uh, where they're mo- moving towards and I I think they're moving towards greatness I think they're a year away but it's a lot of good signs what we have seen in the last three games as the Jets for the first time in a very long time are on a three game winning streak so. Uh, if you're a Jet fan, you should be very excited about that. Tua releases a statement saying he doesn't remember being carted off when he suffered that red concussion, that red zone concussion. Um, this is this is not good news for the Miami Dolphins because as the NFL investigates this story and him speaking out that he doesn't remember anything that happened, uh, this could really throw the team, the coach, and the organization under the bus the week before when he was stumbling off the field when they said it was a back injury. Uh, Jim Ursay lobbies for removal of Dan Schneider at the latest owners meeting. Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft have feud as well. So 
have a feud as well? What, do, what does that mean? Jerry Jones was the only one to vote against the uh, latest uh, proposal that they have, and him and Robert Kraft went at it. Because oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I hate both guys, by the way. I, of course. I, I, I don't hate both guys. I dislike both guys. I can't hate somebody I don't know. So, and hate is a bad word, but I dislike both of them. But uh, That's fair. I, I, I like Jerry Jones because he steps up to the plate and he doesn't back down from nobody. Robert Kraft uh, needs to stay out of those uh, rubbing tugs. Um, so does Deshaun Watson. <laughs> no question. I mean, he doesn't go to rubbing tugs. He invites the rubbing tugs to him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and week six, week six recap in the NFL. <laughs> so what do we get into? Uh, the New York Yankees knocking off the Guardians. And, and you know what? This series turned out to be a great series. It really did. Because if we look at what we saw with the New York Yankees, the Yankees struggled in so many ways. Offensively, they barely could hit against a very good pitching staff with a, which a very good uh, bullpen. But not only that, their defense, which they have been one of the better defensive teams in the MLB all season long, really had problems in the middle of this series, especially in uh, in. Game number two, I think it was, when they made all those mistakes on the field. How to catch a fly ball, one on one. And even game number five, where Cabrera ran into Hicks, right. and he was calling it. Cabrera and Hicks were calling it. You would usually step back, especially when it was in Hicks's domain, uh, and Hicks got hurt, and that's why you call it and you step back. I I do believe that Cabrera is a young kid. He's going to make mistakes. He's put in position. Uh, to play and be a very important piece to this Yankee team moving forward going into the ALCS. But losing Aaron Hicks could absolutely affect the Yankees in this series. So um, looking at what we saw and also uh, the, the the Yankees bullpen, which I, I think Loisica looked good. Uh, who was the other kid? that uh, the, uh, Wendell. Um, who was that? The, the other pitcher that pitched in the ninth inning in game five. Do you, do you remember who I'm talking about? Or Peralta. That's who it is. Peralta. Wally, what, what is it? Wendy Peralta. Wendy Peralta. He's a, yeah, he's a veteran guy. 35-year-old guy. He looked his best with the Yankees. Wendy uh, Peralta, who has been lights out for the New York Yankees. They re- he really has been. And that's why the Yankees brought him in in the ninth inning in game number five. He is the first pitcher in playoff history that played in five straight games in the bullpen. He's the first to ever do that. So for the New York Yankees, uh, they really rested on three pitchers in the uh, the American League uh, Divisional Series. They rested on Holmes, who couldn't play back-to-back, Peralta, and Loisica. Those were the only pitches they really brought in from the bullpen. And, and Taon, who came in in game number two and absolutely choked. I think it was game number two. Yep. Who absolutely choked. Uh, in the 10th inning, and, and that's why he's pitching tonight. I think it benefits Tyone that he is pitching uh, in a full game, uh, even though he hasn't pitched since the regular season. He didn't look good in the second half either. Nah. But uh, maybe this will drive him, and, and hopefully goes into Houston and, and puts up a, a, a very good pitching duel against, I believe, one of the best pitchers in baseball still in Justin Verlander. But – I, I think that you saw your big guns in game number five hit home runs. John Carlos Stan, for all the Yankee fans that attacked this guy and, and laugh at him because he strikes out a lot. He I think he hit 215 all season or 220 all season. He didn't hit for average. He never hits for average. But he had one of his low averages, batting averages of his career. The guy still hit over 30 home runs. The guy still hit almost 100. I think he hit 100 RBIs. Yeah. He is a 30 and 100 guy guaranteed if healthy. 
every single year. If he pay, plays 120 games, it's 30 and 100. No question. This guy is as good a power hitter as any power hitter in baseball. And Aaron Judge, who really didn't look in get good in game one, game two, or even game three, even though he had a home run, I think it was in game three, he hasn't looked good in this whole series. And maybe because the the, the tempo and, and really... Uh, not pitch, not really playing in the wild card game, which they're so used to, and and missing almost a week of baseball. Uh, he had to get back and, and and try to get his momentum back and, and swing. But the guy that really saved the Yankees in the series was Giancarlo Stanton, as far as offense is concerned. I think he had three home runs in the series. Two home runs, six RBIs, and Bader had four. Yeah. For all the all the Yankee fans and Carl <laughs> taking shots. Brian Cashman on why they traded Jordan Montgomery for Bader. Now you see why. The guy is a lights out defensive player in the outfield. He is the he is arguably the best center fielder in the playoffs still. And he hit four home runs in a in in a divisional game, a divisional series. Could you imagine a guy that nobody expected to even make this roster because he's been injured almost the whole season? Is such an important piece offensively for for the New York Yankees. And by the way, he's not a power hitter. He had four home runs in that series. So I, I think when you sit back and you, you wonder the goods and the bads of this series, I think the the three things that really stood out to me is one, Cabrera moving from outfield to shortstop and taking kind of Falefa out when they were down 2-1, to one. that was a good move. That was a great move by a guy that everybody thinks is a terrible manager, and Aaron Boone. It was a great move. And even though kind of Falefa is a good defensive player, taking his bat out and putting Aaron Hicks in, he was, he's a better all-around switch hitter than kind of Falefa. And, and to me, that changed the series. It really did. And shout out to Garrett Cole, which a lot of people made fun of him all season. He gave up the most home runs out of any pitcher in baseball, but struck out more players than any any player in baseball, any pitcher in baseball. He put up two gems that took the Yankees all the way to a game five. If it wasn't for Garrett Cole, 16 strikeouts. I think he pitched... I think both both games, one game, the first game he pitched into seven innings. He didn't finish the seventh inning. Right. And then he finished the seventh inning in game number two, in game number four. Garrett Cole is the reason why the Yankees are here in the Astros series. And what Nestor Cortez did in game, game five, which was fantastic. And that rain-out game saved the Yankees. It really did. Because if they started Tayon, which everybody thought they were going to, I think... It, a lot of pressure on him. He's not Nestor Cortez. And I think Nestor, you saw why Nestor Cortez was one of the best pitchers in the American League all season long. So now the Yankees move into the Astros series. The Astros have home field advantage because they have the better record. Where does this series go, Speedy? Do you do you think that this series could go game seven games. I believe it's going it's going to go six. Whoever wins the first, whoever wins two out of the three first games, 
is going to win this series. Yeah, my pick my pick was a seven-game series for this one because I think the Yankees proved a lot in that series with the way that their starting pitching, I think, really played a lot better. Now, obviously, the Astros are a lot better of an offense than the Guardians are, but still, the way that Yankees starting pitching was in the second half of the season, especially, they were struggling against some bad teams as well. When you look at the, their own division with the Red Sox and the Orioles that kind of fell off in the second half, even though they were a good team, they struggled with those types of teams, and they struggled with a lot of the AL West teams that weren't good either. So it didn't seem like that was going to be their main thing they went to. The offense was the main thing that outside of Bader and Stanton really in that series, really not a lot of other guys hit. Rizzo hit in the first game, but kind of fell off after that with the uh, with the home runs. And they really, the starting pitching, which was a big question mark for the Yankees, really got it going. The bullpen, they're still trying to patch together. I think Peralta did do a better job. They're supposed to get Ron Marinaccio back. I'm not sure if he's on this roster he yet. He will but, be on this yeah. roster. And then they're also getting uh, Montez back as well from the injury as well. We'll see what he is in the playoffs. He's kind of an unknown too, kind of like you were saying with Cortez. But Montez is a, a guy that hasn't struggled, has struggled with the Yankees. So I'm very surprised we haven't seen Herman. Yeah, we didn't see Herman, who has played out of the bullpen. Right. We've seen him, and he was pretty efficient in the bullpen. So why they start they they use Taon in in game number two and not Herman, who has been there before, who was probably a better pitcher in his second half than Taon was. Uh, I was very surprised by Aaron Boone. Maybe he doesn't trust Herman as much as he trusts his trust Taon, but. Uh, the Yankees are going to get pitchers back in this series. Uh, their bullpen, which has been very dry. And, and, and you say that Peralta looked decent. He looked great. Yeah, uh, Peralta was dominant. Loisica was pretty good. Uh, both those guys, I think, both together gave up one run. So I, I think when you, you look at the position that the Yankees are in uh, going into the series, obviously Houston has the better bullpen and have the most depth in their bullpen. And I think the Yankees have the better lineup. And, and the pitching staff, it could go either way. If if Garrett Cole pitches the way he pitched in that divisional series, I, I think this series could very much be evened out. Because if Garrett, Garrett Cole gives you almost a guaranteed seven innings and two runs, you, the Yankees almost guaranteed to win that game. And uh, with Nestor Cortez and both pitchers are probably not pitching until game three and game four, uh, you're, you're going to really trust that Tyone and, uh, and I, I would say Luis Savarino can come out with at least one win out of the two games in Houston. Well, the length really hasn't been an issue so far for the Yankees starting pitching, which is why you haven't seen a lot of those other fringe pitchers in there yet. Guys that could be hybrids in that thing. Well, now we'll see if what they end up doing if the Astros force them to have to pull pitchers after four innings, five innings, something like that. Because Garrett Cole has given them good length. Cortez did give them, even though he, he only pitched the, the four innings or five innings, whatever he pitched in game five. They don't want to abuse his arm because yeah. they know he's going to have to pitch in this series. But he pitched five innings in that. And again, they haven't had to be too stretched out where they had to go to those alternative starters or reliever hybrids. And we'll see if the Astros offense be able to force them to be able to do that kind of thing because the Yankees do have pitchers that are definitely capable of pitching in both roles based on what they were as prospects. And these aren't, it's, these aren't the veteran Yankees 
pitchers of the past that struggled in a lot of those times in other roles. Now, Aaron Boone hasn't done it yet very often when it comes to his managerial strategy like we've seen other managers do, and that'll be a big key, too, to be able to test in that series when it comes to him trying to adjust to that, because we saw him in the second half of the season when the Yankees' bullpen started to have all those injuries, have a lot of trouble with that. So that's going to be a big test for him to be able to do that, especially against the Astros, who kind of have that approach going for them, too. Outside of Verlander and maybe McCullers, but even McCullers isn't a big length guy, they're going to have a lot of guys with their own young pitchers that are going to be like that. So the Yankees might not want to wear out their arms either in that same kind of way. So if the Yankees could hit early off of those guys, then they could uh, they could really force them to do that because they have a lot of pitchers, Javier, Valdez, guys like that that aren't really big length guys either. And same kind of thing with the Yankees back end guys. Probably outside of Montez maybe can give some kind of length, but he has a pitch well. He really has a pitch well as a Yankee yet. And I, I think that when you look at as far as McCuller, McCuller the Yankees hit very well against. So there are certain pitchers over the years that obviously the Astros have. And they have hit well against Verlander, and there are certain games that they can't hit against Verlander. So uh, we'll see what kind of Verlander we see in this series because in game number one in the last series for the Astros, Seattle absolutely destroyed Verlander. And if that happens in the Yankees game, I don't know if the – the talent in that offense with the Astros are going to be able to come back from the Yankees pitching. So uh, I I think this is a very uh, close series. I think it go either way. I really believe it's the battle of the three games, the first three games in this series. Whoever has a 2-1 advantage after the three games, I believe is going to win this series. So it's if Houston could come out winning two games at home, going into Yankee Stadium – I would say Houston has an absolute advantage, a 90% advantage, that they're going to knock off the Yankees in six to seven games. But if the Yankees somehow come out with a win in one of these games and go home and then win game number three uh, in Yankee Stadium, I mean, the Yankees are going to be flying high, the confidence level for the New York Yankees. And then, obviously, being that you're playing 2-3-2, two games at home, uh, two games in Houston, two ga- three games at home, and then two games in Houston. The advantage goes to the Yankees because the Yankees, all the Yankees have to do is win one game in Houston and then win back to back to back games, and they eliminate the Houston Astros. So, uh, and I think Yankee Stadium. Now the advantage will go to the Yankees. The Yankees are a very good home team, and it'll be fun to watch. I think. I think this is the series that everybody's going to be watching, even though the Phillies and the Padres series looks like it's going to be fun. Nobody in their wildest dreams thought that these two teams were going to make the NLCS. Nobody. The fact everybody expected the Yankees versus the Astros, that was the two there were they were the two best teams in the American League by far all season long. And this is what everybody wanted to see. Nobody wanted to see Cleveland and Houston. Yeah, Cleveland was a surprise. Like if any nobody would have expected that at the start of the season. They want to see the Yankees and the Astros. Cause to me, I I believe when you look at both teams right now, they're very evenly matched. So it'll be fun to watch. Both of them are also differently structured than when they played last in 2019, where the Astros are much more reliant on younger pitching now rather than a lot of these guys that are workhorse stretch guys. Remember, they had Garrett Cole on that team in 2019, Justin Verlander, Zach Grinke. They had a lot of more, more of the veteran pitchers. Uh, I think Morton was still there, too, if I remember correctly. I never forget. He was with Tampa the next year after that. But this team is a lot more of those younger guys, Luis Garcia, Framber Valdez, Javier, these versatile guys. And this bullpen is a lot better actually than the 2019 and 2017 teams as well for the Astros and the Yankees are that same kind of thing where 
the Yankees were always driven by their bullpen, and now there's a lot of question marks. It's a very different type of bullpen. It's not a bad bullpen, but it's, there's a lot more question marks because of those injuries and because of the roles that these guys are in. Whereas the starting pitching, as if, if they pitch the way they did in that Cleveland series, are definitely a lot more trustworthy. And Montez, I think, is another one that could be a key mm-hmm. X factor, too, because he is a capable pitcher, powerful pitcher that could sh- Does he make a- this roster? He's on the roster. I know that for sure. The question is, where, where will he pitch in this series? And in what- the bullpen. Yeah, and that that's going to be a big thing because the Astros have a lot of guys now that, in comparison to their to, to the 2017, that were a lot more of a well-rounded contact batting average type team. They had some power, but not as much. Alvarez, Tucker, guys like that, Guriel, Guriel was there too, but still, they have a lot more power as a whole with their top guys. In comparison, it's not as much Bregman Altuve as it was those guys in the regular season. So it's think, a very different type of lineup. I, I think that when you look at where Cole and obviously Cortez are pitching, I believe that in game one and game two will be Tyone and, and Savarino. You're going to see Cole in game number three. And then you're going, you're not going, you're going to wait until game seven to see Cole again. You see Nestor one time in the series. And if they get into trouble and Cole gets into trouble in game number seven, you might see Nestor come out of the bullpen to pitch a couple innings. So now what if they're down three, two, do you see Cole in game six? Then you may, do you try to pitch him like that? I I don't know. I I don't know if they have the extra game. Are you going to, you're going to play him on a third, uh, three games, uh, three games. Yeah. They made it hard too. Cause I I never seen baseball cram as many games as they have so far. A lot of back to backs that aren't just on the the travel days too. And well, because they start in the play, they started the playoffs late and it's going into November. Yeah, it's, it's going to be cold. I know. It's it's Sometimes we've seen baseball try to stretch that kind of thing out, too. They're not doing it as much this year with the lockout, obviously, at the beginning of the season, delaying that. Could so. you imagine how cold it's going to be in November at Yankee Stadium if it's in – if in the, now, yeah. obviously, obviously, if it's in San Diego, it's going to be warm because it's 75 all the time. In Philadelphia, it could be very, very, very cold, cold, too. Yeah. And and we all know Houston. It's very hot over there, and it's it's They're inside dome. anyway. It's so a yeah. dome, so yeah. – uh, I mean, if it's Houston and, and the Padres, it doesn't matter what the weather is and how cold it is in certain parts of the country because in those two areas, it's it works very, very well for baseball. But in, in Philadelphia, New York, it's going to be freezing in November. Right. We haven't really seen a, a cold-weather World Series team since the Red Sox either. A lot, the last three of – I mean, the Nationals, it's like middle of weather, Astros, and then look at the Dodgers and the Braves. Like, they're all warm weather too. So, And I, I have to give a lot of credit to the Philadelphia Phillies. And I was one of the teams that believed in this team. I like Thompson. I like the manager. I like the transition. Ever since Joe Girardi got fired, and shout out to all the Yankee fans that wanted to keep Joe Girardi. <laughs> probably will never get a management job again no. in the majors. But um, I, I think that Thompson is going to get this job after the season is over. Uh, the team bought into who he is and what he's all about. The moves that they made at the trade deadline absolutely worked. And, and, and it gave them that belief that they can compete. And, and the same thing happened with the Braves. They made a couple of trades at the trade deadline. Those three pieces helped them go all the way to the World Series and win the World Series last year. And they were heavily favored, uh, two heavily favored teams that, with the Dodgers and the, and, and the Braves going into the playoffs that everybody thought was going to win. And they both fell apart in, in, in the divisional series. So I, I think the Philadelphia Phillies uh, with Wheeler and Nolo, I, I think – and even the Padres, with that pitching staff, this series could go seven games, and it could go either way. I would love to see either one of those teams play the Yankees in the World Series. But uh, a lot of people are predicting this is Houston's to win, and the Yankees are going to have – this is the Yankees' World Series. Because if the Yankees can knock off Houston, 
they are going to be heavenly favorites against the Padres and against the Phillies if they go to the World Series. So, so well at Houston. Right. Those are the two heavily favorite teams going into their series. Well, yeah, you have to do factor in, though, too, that the lineup depth is still strong for both of those other teams, yeah. too. Now, the Padres, it wasn't good in the regular season, but we've seen it play to their talent level towards the, towards the end of the season into the playoffs. And the Phillies were known for their lineup talent. They were Their pitching depth is what they were lacking, and they got some of it in their series against the Cardinals. They got some of it in their series against the Braves where guys like Ranger Suarez and Kyle Gibson stepped up when they needed to. Syndergaard, I think, played well out of the bullpen. I don't know if he had a start, but he played well out of the bullpen. So that kind of thing helped, and that bullpen that was so bad in the first half of the season has turned it around nicely in the second half. The Padres have that bullpen now and will be able to make it work if they do it in a longer series, but the Astros and Yankees definitely the favorites with experience. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to Elon's assistant baseball coach, Jerry Oaks, my birthday brother, here on the Sports Lab Outs. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loudmouths. 631 672 3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio. Network. Well, well, well. We finally get my birthday brother on the show again. We're now talking to now Elon assistant baseball coach Jerry Oaks. Jerry, what's up, man? How you doing, guys? We are good, man. Obviously, you're even better. You're no longer over there at Pitt. You're no longer a pitching coach. You're now an assistant coach. So you're moving on up to the east side, my friend. How are you? How's everything going over there with you and your family since COVID? Uh, everything's going great, man. You know, I'm, I'm down here in Carolina. Family's still actually up in Pittsburgh, so can't complain. Though. Everybody's doing well. You look happy. I mean, uh, hopefully the baseball season is going pretty well for you. So why don't we get into it? Before we get into some Yankees, because I know you're a Yankee fan, as I am too. So uh, I'm sure you have your own thoughts on this series against Houston and what the Yankees need to do as a coach. But how is the baseball team, the baseball team doing over there? What is the difference between Pitt and Elon? Uh, well, the weather, first off, right? Yes, of course, <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, there's not a lot of difference to be totally honest with you. You know, obviously at Pitt, you're in the ACC, and you know the the, the level of baseball is a little higher. Um, but you know where we're located down here, right outside of Raleigh, you know, within basically 60 miles, you got some of the best teams in the country. So, you know, with that being said, obviously it's it's high level baseball. You know, our midweek games are against NC State, Wake Forest, Carolina teams like that, and you know our our league's getting tougher and tougher each year. So. Um, it's a grind, you know, obviously it's, it's baseball in the South, you know, so it's, it's, I would say just maybe more depth at the ACC level, you know, than, than here, but other than that, it's, it's not that much of a difference. So what about the, uh, the Carolina baseball culture as a whole? Cause they don't have a major league team, but they have a lot of good minor league followings too. college baseball, uh, coastal Carolina won a, a college world series back in 2016. So what has that been like? And also Elon on and off the, off the field, what have those experiences been like? Yeah, you know, I, I was at Coastal Carolina for four years, you know, so a little bit familiar of, of obviously this area. Um, but anybody will tell you, it's like I said, it's you're in like baseball heaven down here. You know, like I said, you go 
they see an hour, hour and a half, and you're playing top 20 teams every every single week. Right? As a baseball coach, baseball player, it's everything you can literally ask for. You know, you have everything you need here to play at a high level, and, you know, you're on a spotlight every single weekend. I, I tell recruits all the time because of our location, uh, there's so many scouts that live in this area because of such the high-level talent, you know, so um, – it, it, you really can't ask for anything better, to be honest with you. You know, obviously, warm weather and, and playing against the best. Um, and obviously, here at Elon, we we have so much to offer. You know, it's one of the top 100 universities. So, you know, our kids get a phenomenal education, which is the most important thing. And um, like I said, you know, they're playing high-level baseball every single week. We are talking to Elon assistant baseball coach Jerry Oaks. Now, when you look at, obviously, the recruiting and, and – you're over there in Pitt, ACC, very popular school for football. And you go down to Elon, which it's Carolina, it's warmer. So I'm sure uh, a lot of people would like to go to warmer weather to play some baseball. What is it like to recruit over there? And do you have any players that were drafted? And are there any other players that you see coming up uh, that you have recruited over the last couple of years or last year that you think could be major league type of players? Yeah, I mean, we've had plenty of guys drafted here. You know, we had, uh, what, two guys last year. One guy went in the seventh round, uh, another in the 20th round. Uh, had a guy with the Phillies the year before. But in 2019, had George Kirby here. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Seattle Mariners. You know, he was first rounder here, and you see what he's doing in the big leagues. And that same year, we had, I think, uh, about three or four more guys that are knocking on the big leagues. So, you know, you, you hope in the next year or two you could have – you know, three to four big leaguers that have been drafted within the last three years here, you know? So, um, it, like I said, it's most of our kids are from up north. Kids want to go play in warmer weather, right? So we have, like I said, I don't, I don't know how many right we have right now that are playing pro baseball, but uh, like I said, you you could look up in about three years and see anywhere from three to six big leaguers that, that have come out of here recently. So, it's a hotbed right now, man, and we hope we can, you know, keep, continue that going. You know, obviously, facility-wise, we just got a brand new indoor facility, which is first class, and uh, we got phase two coming. So, uh, pretty soon here, it could be one of the nicest mid-majors in the country. Yeah, Kirby pitched very well in the second half of that season for Seattle. Big part of why they made that playoffs. So that was yeah, cool to see. He's a stud, especially being a rookie. Yeah. So, so uh, we've seen a lot now in college sports with these the transfer portal, and especially in football being very active, and a lot of other sports. Is that those same rules apply with baseball now? Is it all instant impact? And if so, how has that changed your uh, your style of your uh, I guess coaching, but also the way you coach these players, new players coming in. Yeah, you know, the, the whole portal thing has changed everything, right? Um, it, it changes how we recruit in a lot of ways. Uh, there, there's positives to it and also a lot of negatives to it, you know. Uh, we actually went portal heavy this past year, and, you know, we got a transfer from Vanderbilt, two from Wake Forest. Uh, we've also gone Juca route, and we've had transfers the year before. So it's been good to us. You know, I think a lot of these kids, that you know, obviously their, their dreams go to Power 5, and then you get there and realize that, uh, you know, it's probably not a place for me and not getting that playing time. So, um, obviously, you know, schools like us where we can pick those guys up and, and they get more playing time, and obviously it's only going to help their career, right, uh, to, to put them on the spotlight. So uh, the, the, we're all trying to figure it out, to be honest with you. You know, we're trying to figure this thing out on the fly. Uh, it, it's tough now, I would say, because, you know, especially at our level, for instance, you know, you get those mid-major guys that maybe they just – 
blossom a little later on in, in their career and now they take off and now you got you know the big big guys trying to take those guys from you you know so it's all hand in hand but at the end of the day i think when you build relationships and you do the right things you know and, and build that culture the right way you don't have to really worry about those type of things we are talking to elon assistant baseball coach jerry oaks by the way Happy belated birthday. You're 40 now. So am I. Uh, we, we hit right, the four zero. We're alive, man. I, I was very excited for that. I mean, over the last couple of years, with all the different things that are going on, not only COVID, but now you have the monkey pox and all the crazy stuff going on in the world. The fact that we're still alive and we're still kicking and we're moving on to our 40s, I'm very, very happy for that, and I'm sure you are too. How, how? Before we get into the the MLB and, and the playoffs, how's your family doing? I mean, I I know you have, I think, two kids, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, well, we get, we've got five. You know, oh my, man, my you're Sasha, you're pushing so, them out, yeah. huh? Your wife's yeah, pushing she, them out. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very lucky. You know, yes. my wife, she she's a rock star, and uh, you know, we're a very close family. We got you know the three boys and two girls. Wow. And, we're, we're blessed. You know, like you said, you know, this day and age, I, I, I say it all the time. If you would have talked to me a couple of years ago before we talked, you know, you're stressing about this, stressing about that. And I learned the older I get, it's uh, it's really not a big deal. Some of the things we stress about. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I take one day at a time and big family guy, you know, so it's uh, to me, that's what it's all about. Out and they're doing great. You know, they're all playing. A lot of them are playing hockey now. So we got one you. playing hockey, football, and I don't see them as much, which is always tough. But they're they're great. Like I said, my wife, she uh, she's the glue to everything. So we're very lucky. Well, I'm I'm happy for you. I, I don't have any kids yet, so uh, I'm 40 years <laughs> old. I... Behind the eight ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really behind the eight ball, but <laughs> but you want to know something. Um, I always thought of myself as, as an older father, and, and being that I'm in this industry and I'm, I'm pushing what I'm doing in this industry, it's usually a lot of these radio guys, they don't start pushing out and getting families until they're closer to 50 than they are in their 30s and their 20s. So it, it's really just because you're trying to build your career and trying to figure out what you're going to do and where you're going to be when you're ready right. to do that. So it's, it's a very unique situation. So why don't we get into the MLB, the Yankees um, getting into the playoffs, they – the, the month of August was really horrific. Every, a lot of people thought that the Yankees were going to fall apart. Uh, Tampa was playing good. The Blue Jays were playing good. And then a guy named Judge started to get really, really hot. Uh, broke the American League record, hitting 62 home runs. Uh, led the league in RBIs in almost every offensive statistic. Almost won the Triple Crown. Uh, was a fantastic season. And then getting into the playoffs and, and, and playing Cleveland – what were your thoughts before the series against Cleveland when Cleveland uh, moved on from the wild card game? Did you think that the Yankees were a sure lock coming out of that divisional series? No, not really, to be honest with you, you know, because Cleveland can really can pitch. And as you know, it's about pitching and defense, right? That That's what wins, and especially in the playoffs. I figured that series would go five, you know. Um, obviously, we know Yankees got a little more offense. I think that's what we all knew going into it was going to – Cleveland was going to struggle. Um, but – and when you get guys can pitch, as you know, it, it's anything can happen. That's for sure. And I, I, I think this one will be good. You know, I was just watching. I'm a Phillies guy, so um, they're blowing it right now. But uh, <laughs> you know, when you got two, three horses, man, you know, and you, and they get high at the right time, there's no, there's no telling. So 
their bullpen was due to have one of their classic Phillies bullpen debacles at some point. So get it out of the way now and save it for, for a game six, game seven to get their bullpen on track. So uh, obviously you being a, you being a college coach, you're used to the, uh, the college world series format and they have a lot of the, the regionals and the buys too, the way it's set up. And now we're seeing it this year in baseball with the, it, American League has stayed chalk. The National League, the Dodgers and Braves getting upset. Do you think this format will benefit the underdogs more long term? Do you think it'll be more, it'll level out more back to the favorites or somewhere in between? I think somewhere in between, right? I think it, it, it's funny, right? I, I feel like baseball, it's the same every year, right? It, you look at Ole Miss last year, right? They're basically out of it, and then boom, they get hot at the right time. I mean, look at the Phillies, right? They're fighting to get in, and now they got this thing rolling, you know, and I think that's really in any sport, right? It's, and I tell our guys all the time, it's all about how you finish, not how you start. You know, I mean, you even look at the Yankees a little bit, right? They hit that wall and everybody yep. thinks it's like they can't win. They went over a hundred games and people are still all over them, you know, but um, same thing, right? I think they're getting hot at the right time too, mm. you know? So it's contagious. That's before I, I, I think in, you know, what people don't understand that, that aren't baseball people, you look at the Braves and Dodgers, I think, when, especially in baseball in particular, but even like, you know, you know, hockey and stuff like that, when, when you have a long layoff like that, I think it hurts you more than helps you. Oh, I, I agree with you. And everybody knows we are talking to Elon, assistant baseball coach, Jerry Oaks. He, he was on our show a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, if anybody don't remember that uh, unbelievable conversation that we had, we found out we had the same birthday. We're born, born almost the same around, same time, and uh, we were at the same baseball game for the perfect game. I think it was the perfect game we were at. It was just crazy, and it, it's it's really unique when you, you – I've met a lot of people with the same birthday as me, but – uh, just the way we had a conversation and how it just fell together was just like very unique and very weird because we, we've interviewed football players, college football players that had the same birthday as me. And I wasn't surprised like I was with you. And we were talking. I was like, everything just aligned somewhere or another. But uh, where Taurus is and that's how, you know, you have that uh, personality uh, and that stubbornness. So that's that's how we that's how we roll. But um, I, I look at the Yankees right now and. What scares me about this series in particular, it, it's really not the de- it's not the defense, it's not the pitching, it's not the bullpen. Even though the bullpen is is very much injured, uh, they had seven injuries going into the divisional game. Now they're getting three pitchers back. They're still four short. Chapman's done because uh, he has a big mouth and he doesn't show up to workouts. But that's Chapman for you. Um, what scares me is the offense. This is a team that's a power hitting team. Uh, and, and they don't hit for average. And you saw in the Cleveland series, the Cleveland out, the Cleveland Guardians out hit the Yankees throughout this series. I mean, in one game, they had 15 hits to the Yankees five, and you can't win like that. And against Houston, if Houston out hits you, and and you know they can out pitch you, there's not a chance in hell the Yankees win this series. So if you were a coach or you were a manager on this Yankee team, and let's say you were Aaron Boone, what would you what would you do to hype your players up? To, to get better pitches or to walk in and make Verlander work, especially in game number one. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. You know, honestly, you're talking about pitching coach, right? Like for me, you know, offenses that are big, just power guys, they don't scare me. You know, it, it's the offenses that can do a little of everything and have maybe two power guys, but the other guys are, you know, average guys and grind you out at the plate, you know, and I, I think you make a great point you know, guys like Verlander, stuff like that, you got to make him work, you know, and, and that might be you have to change your approach on the fly. 
um, you know, as far as being able to take and or certain guys, you know, where I think, you know, where, where guys become successful is, hey, these two guys, are, you know, you're going to try to make him work. You know, um, these guys are going to play small ball and then our boppers, right? Just in general, right? You know, you're trying to get that pitch count out and hopefully you can get them out of the game earlier, you know, mm-hmm. if anything. You know, I think if you're swinging right out of shooting guys like that, benefiting them. Analytics now, the way the game has changed. We've seen a lot of young pitchers really strive more and more of a young pitcher's game. And we've seen a lot of the veteran pitchers that have normally been good. I'm a Mets fan, so we had a bunch of them on our team that really struggled in their series against the Padres. Do you see that kind of transformation changing where it's becoming more of a younger pitcher's league, even with some of the other top guys like Verlander still in Cy Young conversations? Yeah, I think all over, right? It's definitely a younger man's game for sure, you know, and then obviously your older guys, as you know, they just know their craft and they know how to make adjustments. Um, and that's just, that's what this thing's all about, you know what I mean? Especially when you're playing a Seven game series, right? You can make those adjustments, you know, and you got to make those adjustments on the fly even more, especially at that level, you know, where that's why they're where they're at. Curious to see how Noel is going to pitch some of those guys, you know, Soto and those guys, because he had kind of the same tendencies. And then is he going to stick with that tendency or not, right? Are they going to make those adjustments? I'm watching the game. Uh, obviously, Altuve threw a, a terrible ball to first base. Uh, now it's. It's man on first and second. You have John Carlos Stanton. You have Aaron Judge on first and second right now. Two outs. And now they're finally getting his pitch count. I mean, it's almost at 20 pitches. That's what you want to do. You want to get in each inning 20 to 25 pitches. So you know in probably the fifth or sixth inning they pull him. And then you you go you let them go to the bullpen. And, and whichever bullpen pitches better wins the game. So uh, I, I want to see this, and and Josh Donaldson's up, so I, I, I think this is automatic out, so get ready for it. Um, as everybody knows, we are talking to Elon, uh, Elon assistant baseball coach uh, Jerry Oaks, uh, so I'm not very excited about that. So y- you say that you're a Philadelphia guy. What were your thoughts of Philadelphia really surprising the world, coming out of the wild card game, then coming out and knocking off a Braves team that everybody expected to to go all the way with the talent that they had, the pitching staff. They were the hottest team in baseball in the second half. What were your thoughts to Philadelphia doing what they did and what they're doing right now in this series? Yeah, I, I don't think it's surprising to be honest, right? I think they've made some quality trades at the uh, at the deadline there to add some pieces to make it just right instead of one through five, mm-hmm. it's one through eight, you know. And I think that's really done a great job. They added some pieces. It was funny. I was talking to somebody the other day. They got some of those guys out of bullpens I've never even heard of, and they're pretty nasty, you mm-hmm. know. So I just think they just have added some quality pieces, and you know, I, I really like Thompson. You know, I think he's he just keeps those guys level, especially when you have that many superstars. You know, you got to have a, a manager that's capable of doing that. You know, um, I mean, I just watched them earlier in the season, and you watch them now. That's a that's a whole different team. They're gluing at the right time. I think they have enough superstars that have enough experience that, I mean, like I said, I, I think they can win it for sure. Oh, at both, mm-hmm. all four teams could win it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for both the Phillies and the Yankees, one X factor, a lesser known player that you think will have a big impact in order for them to win that particular series. Cool. By the way, Josh Donaldson struck out. Not surprising. <laughs> yeah, of course. He stinks, man. He stinks. $25 million down the damn drain. I mean, 
He's horrible. He, he he's yeah. lucky he could play a decent third base. I, I don't. I the Yankees need to get rid of him at the end of the season. He is absolutely atrocious. He's a guaranteed out in this series. In the last couple of series, he stinks. Yeah. He stinks. Yeah, not, he, I never thought he was a great player. No, yeah, good year, but uh, yeah, steroids. That's you know, going back to that question. I mean, I think if Harper continues to stay hot, I mean, to me, I think he can make or break things in a lot of ways. Just because you got to really, you know, pitch around him and not the, he can just hurt you in so many ways. I would love to see Bryce Harper win a championship. Yeah. Uh, because uh, every every national fan made fun of him after he left. Uh, he signed with Philadelphia. They win a World Series, and he never had the chance to experience winning a World Series when he was a big part of that organization all those years. Now he's on Philadelphia. Nobody in their wildest dreams thought they were going to be where they are today. And honestly, it, Bryce Harper was hurt a lot of the season. He came back in the second half, yeah. uh, and he, he got a little hot in the second half. And Philadelphia with firing Joe Girardi, which was the best move. And I, I'm going to say this. I don't know if you listen to our show enough. Yankee fans have attacked Brian Cashman, ever since they let go of Joe Girardi and they went with Aaron Boone. And I've said this many, many times. Aaron Boone, in his first five years, has more wins than any professional baseball manager in history. In history. And... And for what he has done with this team, he's gone to now two ALCSs. He hasn't won yet. If he wins, to me, it's... It's not even an argument. Joe Girardi leaves. They bring in another ex-Yankee manager, you know, Coach and ex-Yankee, he he's doing everything right, and Joe Girardi did everything wrong. And they're what three games away from, or two games, well, three games away from going to the World Series. So what does that tell you about Joe Girardi? <laughs> That's what it tells me. Joe Girardi will never manage in baseball again, Tyler, and all those Yankee fans that wanted him as the Yankee manager. And I'm not taking shots at Joe. I like Joe. Joe's a nice guy. He really is. I met him twice. Very sincere, nice guy. He is not a good manager. He's just not. If he doesn't have a good bullpen, he can't win. And you saw that with the Yankees. Their bullpen got old. He, the Yankees started not to win. That's just the way it is. And, and you see Aaron Boone. He's, put, he's, he's what is he, gluing pieces together in that bullpen. And they're winning. So he's a horrible manager. Never management experience. Never managed before in Coaching, I mean, he's never coached before. He's never done it in the minors. He never did in college. This guy was talking on ESPN with <laughs> Alex Rodriguez. And, and this guy has more wins than any manager in, in history in five years. And he's one, you know, a couple of games away from going to another World Series. Ironically, Tyler also wanted A-Rod as the manager, too. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. It's a joke, okay? It was I'm just rid of tired jo- of Yankee fans. I'm a Yankee fan. I'm tired of them. I was going to say, that's just typical Yankee I want to throw know. up, man. I, I, every time I listen to a Yankee fan, I only thought Naylor was so funny when he was cradling or whatever the heck he was doing with the baby, and he was doing it to Garrett Cole when he hit that home run. Nevertheless, the Yankees still won that game, and then the Yankee fans were doing it to him every time he struck out. So, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, and he says, if you read his, his, his whole thoughts after the game, he says, it's great to be a bad guy. It's great to, 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 to go into Yankee Stadium and everybody hates you. You think that's great? <laughs> I, I, I mean, Pedro laughs at it all the time, but Pedro didn't like being hated. And, and by the way, who was his daddy? So, <laughs> so <laughs> anyways, uh, we are talking to Elon's assistant baseball coach, Jerry Oaks. One more question for me, Jerry. I know you're a busy guy. You know, when you when you think of baseball and and you look at 
all these different players that have come out of the draft and, and really been successful and, and guys that just weren't successful. Uh, is there a, a particular player that you thought that when they were drafted, they were going to be hands down a great player that just really didn't turn out to be that player? And, and was there a player that you did? You don't even know why he was drafted in that position and became a great player in the majors. Is there any particular player or two players that you remember that became those, uh, you know, in those positions? Uh, I mean, I can't really think of any of them. I'm trying. I'm, I'm going blank right now. The kid from Louisville got drafted a couple years ago by Tampa Bay. He was a two-way guy. Speedy, you know who he's talking about? Uh, no, I'll figure it out. Anyway, I, I thought he would have a, a, a long career. Brandon McKay, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, of? yep. Okay. Yeah, that's him. Brandon McKay. Yeah, I recognize the name. Went first round to, uh, yeah, I think it's Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. You know, he's probably one guy trying to think. That's yeah, a tough question. Yeah. I'm a little biased, but I had a kid this year who got caught up with uh, the Marlins, Charles LeBlanc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's done great for his first year, which I knew he was good and I was proud of him because recruited the guy, but uh, you know, it's one guy that, that I, w- I would say I wouldn't expect him to have that much success that fast. I would say, you know, I knew he was good, but he had a really good year. So, my, so my last question is: uh, You were also a uh, minor league baseball player. You were bumped around, I think, five different organizations uh, from 2001 mm-hmm. to 2007. So, do you have a good uh, story, a good moment from any of those minor league games, any of those minor league experiences? Yeah, I mean, I had a no hitter with. Uh, me and Dontrell Willis, mm. I gave up a solo spot, and um, he ended up throwing a no-hitter, actually. So oh, wow. it, was, it was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, it, once again, right, when you play for so long, you're, you're just thankful for the opportunity more than anything and be able to play as long as I did. But I've played with so many big leaguers, and it's crazy. I look back at some of the guys in my roommates or someone could be in the Hall of Fame here soon. Take it all in, you know? But uh, I, I would say some of the games I pitched over on the big league side were – you know, first guy I faced was Edgar Martinez. And, mm. you know, th- those moments are pretty cool. I remember calling, you know, calling my family and I remember talking to my uncle. And you just realize how proud people are, you know. But th- th- they're the moments you remember, you know. More than anything, you probably remember more of the locker room stuff than mm. you do the playing. You know? Yeah. I, I know because when, I played, when I played hockey and – you know, and I was playing for Team USA Hockey and all that other stuff. I remember all the relationships that I had and all the crazy stories that I remember when I was traveling with those teams. But uh, I don't remember some of the games because I was hit so hard. But anyways, uh, but uh, before we let you go, I, I, I could tell you that this is going to be a very bad game for the Yankees because Taone has not found the strike zone. And when he does, he's throwing it right down the middle. And that's why uh, he has one out and Pena hits a double. I mean, it was pretty much – if. He couldn't have hit it better than that unless he hit it out of the park. And uh, now they're, 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 they're facing Alvarez, who if you pitch it anywhere around the strike zone, that's why he's pitching outside of the strike zone. He's going to smack it into the you know, another hemisphere. So, uh, what inning is it, the second inning? First inning. He's in trouble. The first inning, Pena doubled. Now, yeah, uh, Alvarez just walked. Now Bregman's up. Uh, the typical Yankee fan. Tyone, you could tell when Tyone is on, and you know you're a pitcher. You know all about that stuff. Yeah, yeah you, it, it, you yeah, can tell when. Inning. Yeah, but you know when a pitcher's on and when he's not on, and you can see the way he's pitching and he's aiming. He's not throwing. You could tell he's aiming for the strike zone. He's not. He's not trusting in his pitches and his ability. And when that happens, you know it's it's a cry of help. You know. So I I I don't know. I'm not very excited about this game. And now you have Bregman on. Good luck. Uh, 
anyways, uh, Jerry, we really appreciate you, uh, and I'll def- we'll definitely get you on a lot quicker than you know a couple of years. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, but we're, we're very happy to have you on. Uh, you're a fellow blood brother slash, you know, uh, you know, brother from another mother, and maybe we'd be twins, you know, if we came from the same womb, but we're not. But uh, you have five kids, and I have none, so it's five nothing you. Okay, so we really appreciate you as always. Good luck on. Uh, your endeavors over there in Elon. I hope everything goes well for you, and eventually you become a manager. You deserve it, and maybe uh, you'll be managing in the majors more sooner than later. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. Oh, my God, you got to see this Aaron Judge catch, man. Ridiculous. What a lucky you-know-what. But anyways, thank you. (laughs) And if you do become a manager in the majors, just remember you can hire one of us to be your you know, first base or third base coaches because we do know baseball. You got it, brother. I'm just kidding. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right, guys. Take care, man. All right. Uh, As everybody knows, we were just talking to Elon's assistant baseball coach, Jerry Oaks. Fantastic guy. Mm -hmm. Great personality. Baseball. Can't figure it out. When we come back. baseball. Can't figure it out. Uh, That's true. I I have a headache, man. I I already have a headache. I I don't even want to watch this game anymore. It's giving me a headache. All right, first the first inning, inning already, and you're I'm already tired, getting a headache? Man. I'm tired. I, I can't watch this anymore. Every time I watch this guy pitch, it looks like it's going out. <laughs> it's in trouble already. I mean, it's the first inning. All right, I can't wait to see Aaron Boone's face at the end of this game. <laughs> Yankee fans, it's Aaron Boone's fault. It's Aaron Boone's fault. Give me a break. Oh, this is Blame a big the one. manager. Kyle Tucker's up now. This is Give a big me a one. break. I, uh, I got a headache. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, fantastic. Jerry Oaks is an unbelievable, fantastic guy. Great personality. And like I said, same birthday as me, so he mm-hmm. must be a great guy. Um, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get into some football conversation, as always, here on the Sports Lab House. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out our app, our beautiful app on Apple, iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Elon's assistant baseball coach, Jerry Oaks. Fantastic guy. Uh, you know, we asked him a lot of crazy questions, and uh, we threw him curveballs, and uh, he caught them, but he couldn't answer some of them. He's a pitcher. He's used to throwing curveballs. Yes, he is. Uh, more strikeouts, but, uh, you know, I, maybe he'll walk a guy one way or another. I mean, he didn't walk tonight, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Yankees get out of that inning. I'm very surprised. A uh, man on first and second, one out. Uh, unbelievable catch by Aaron Judge on Bregman. And then uh, a hit to first base, and uh, they get out of that uh, that trouble. If they play like that in this, this game, uh, they're going to lose this game. Because Verlander is not working as much as you want. And Tyone looks like he was working a lot in that, in that, that inning. That's the first inning. So they still have eight more innings to go, uh, and it's a little scary the way the Yankees are playing right now. But, hey, maybe Tyone will figure it out and, and start uh, pitching a decent ball game. We'll see. Uh, LeMahieu is not on the roster, by the way. He's still dealing, wow. with, that, dealing with that toe injury. Carpenter is on this roster. I would like to see a little bit more Carpenter. Uh, he, mm-hmm. They did pinch hit for him in game number five one time. And um, when you don't have the – 
you know, you're not seeing pitches and stuff like that. You're you're not going to figure out, you know, your timing, on, you know, at the plates. It, it takes a little while to figure out your timing against some of the better pitchers in baseball. So uh, you're, you're playing against the best pitchers in the playoffs. So um, let's get into some football in, in just a few minutes. I would say in about 25 minutes, we'll be talking to football sapien owner and scouting consultant John Vogel. Got a lot to talk to him about as uh, his mistakes of his thoughts of what happened and, and what the, some of these these players were going to be coming out of the NFL, going into the NFL, the Brees Halls of the world, and uh, obviously Sauce Gardner, two guys that he wasn't high on. No. Uh, and he said Brees played too much in college. I remember him saying that and that his – uh, him, you know, obviously being beaten up as much as he was in Iowa, he he won't be he wouldn't be a good NFL player, or he didn't think that he was going to be as good as he was in college. He was wrong about that, because uh, right now some people are saying that he might be a top five running back by the end of this season. And uh, Sauce Gardner has been unbelievable. So, <laughs> I mean, he's given up one touchdown, which honestly wasn't even his fault. Okay, that was Joyner's fault because he doesn't. You know, in, in I think it was in game number two. It was the Bengals game. It no, was it was in the Browns game. Oh, it was, oh, it was the Browns game? Browns okay. game, yes. I, I saw him. Maybe he wasn't the main coverage guy. I saw him in front of uh, Higgins when Higgins scored a touchdown against It wasn't him. Okay. That wasn't against him. All right, so it wasn't, he, he wasn't no, the main coverage guy he, then? Okay. No, because when he got out, he, he let the safety joiner. Okay. And once he passed his coverage, when he let him go and he was guarding, I think the, the I think he was moving up, and that was Carpenter. He struck out. And he is playing today. And, and it, that's what's bad is if when you haven't been hitting and you haven't swung a baseball in such a long time and you waited, you know, waited to game five for him to play, I mean – it's going to take a while for him to figure out his timing. I mean, Matt Carpenter get, did get hot after not playing in, in Major League Baseball for almost two years. Yeah, but he so. was hitting and hitting right. and hitting in the minors. Oh, I know. Yeah, what, he hasn't hit in in weeks because of the toe. So that's not an excuse. And 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 I, honestly, I think this is a bad move by Aaron Boone. I, I I do. But you should have started him in game number one in that other series. And now all of a sudden you're bringing him in because because Hicks gets hurt. So. Uh, I, I don't know how – it's going to take a while for him to figure out and how he sees the ball. So yeah, now Carl's boy up to the plate, Harrison Vader. Yeah, who has oh, – I'm sorry, he had three home runs in the last series and, uh, 1.2, and four OPIs. 1.256 OPS, though. Yes, he's he's definitely – and he, he's a guy that could get on base, you know, so we'll see. He did not swing at that. Uh, so why don't we get into some football, and we'll get into the Jets first because a lot of Jet fans are – or have been very surprised in the last couple of weeks on the the growth of this young football team. And I think the the change of this team was when you saw Quinn Williams and the off the defensive line yelling at the defensive line coach in the game I think against the Bengals. I think that transition what the season turned into so far in 6 games. And you see Quinn Williams really becoming the player that we expected him to be when he was drafted a couple of years ago. This defense, this defensive line since then have been one of the more prolific, dominant defensive lines in football in the last three weeks. They're putting pressure on the quarterbacks. They're dominating the line of scrimmage. And you saw against a Green Bay Packer offensive line, which has not played well all season long, but they're not a bad offensive line. Just completely throw the inner uh, inner part of that defensive line, I mean offensive line, around 
in, in uh in week six a oh, week five I'm sorry was it week five I'm sorry week six mm-hmm. but when you look at the Jets right now they finally are but by Bader I think this oh, is gone there's number four <laughs> there's number four that's gone wow oh my god <laughs> I mean well, you were, you were right he has four home runs you just said it an hour to an hour early <laughs> just so just so everybody knows Harrison Bader was a trade at the last minute of the New York Yankees with the Cardinals. Yes, Brian Cashman makes the move that changed this lineup since he's come into this lineup in the month of September. Yeah, I haven't heard, I haven't seen Carl much in the comments section about Bader anymore. Well, you know, he's dealing with a lot over there in Florida. That's, that's true. Right. Yeah, that's but true. but uh, if you're a Yankee fan, you should be very happy about what Brian Cashman did at the trade deadline. Uh, even though Jordan Montgomery pitched very well throughout the regular season, he didn't pitch at all in the playoffs. And then Harrison Bader comes at, you know comes in the last two weeks of the baseball season and changed this lineup and changed the center field position because they don't have any problems. They don't have to put Aaron, Aaron Judge in the center field position anymore. You put him in the right field where he's more comfortable playing and – uh, and you see the difference of this outfield. And by the way, they're starting to hit the Yankees. They're starting to see the ball. So uh, that's a good sign for the Yankees. Well, there goes your first inning headache. <laughs> no, I still have a headache. Well, that's not the first inning anymore. Yeah, and the Yankees are on the board. They are on the board. And that's thank you to uh, Harrison Bader, who's yes. showing everybody that uh, the that Brian Cashman, again, makes the right move at the trade deadline. That's going to help this. Could you imagine if Harrison Bader becomes the MVP and they win the World Series because mm-hmm. of him? Yep. That would be so funny. <laughs> Another guy that took shots at that is Tyler Harrison. Of course he did. <laughs> couldn't stand that move, and Harrison Bader has been as good a hitter for the Yankees as anybody in that lineup. Every 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 championship team has that one random player you just don't see coming. We were talking about with the Braves last year. It was all those outfielders with the Nationals. I know Juan Soto was the main guy, but Howie Kendrick, if they, they don't have him, they're not winning all that. For the Yankees, who knows? Maybe it's Harrison Bader. <laughs> hey, listen, we've seen this before. Scott Brocious. Yep. We, we remember... Some of the Yankees that they brought in, Tito Martinez, Paul O'Neill, these these guys were big parts uh, of these Yankee teams that found a way to win. So uh, maybe this team has that uh, that that kind of player now in Harrison Bader. But uh, to get back with the the New York Jets, I you know you sit here today and you're going into a series, you're go, going into a series, going into a game this week, and you wonder because uh, this is a game that's definitely winnable. You're going into Denver. The Broncos have lost two games in a row. Uh, and, and Russell Wilson is not the same Russell Wilson he was in Seattle. He, has, he hasn't been. Nope. And this offense, yes, they have two good wide receivers in Jerry Judy and Sutton. Sutton being better than, obviously, Jerry Judy, who I still believe hasn't really reached his heights. And maybe, maybe he'll figure it out. But everybody thought he was going to be a star coming from Alabama. He's been horrible. But this is a chance for the Jets to win five games going into the next two weeks where you're going to have the chance possibly to be 6-2 and two if you could beat the Patriots and you could beat the Denver Broncos when you go into the final game before your your break. Yeah, I think it's their break after Buffalo. By week 10, yeah, by yeah, week so, 10. So. so they got three more games. Yep, so Patriots, Bills, or Patriots, Broncos, and Bills. Yep. So they have a chance to go into their last game before their bye week, 6-2, six to, six, six to and have a chance to knock off Buffalo 
in 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 week uh, was it week ten week nine week yep. nine where they could go into the bye week as the number one seed in the AFC East. Who would have thought that, Speedy? No, nobody would have ever thought that. Everyone has Buffalo penciled into the AFC Championship game already, and they were the biggest Super Bowl favorite at the beginning of the year. Who would have thought, oh, the New York Jets being anywhere close to that? No, nobody would have thought that. And the Jets have done it in a lot of different ways so far this year. And going back to the Packers game, you definitely saw that interior pass rush, yep. especially Quinn Williams, really play well against he the run, He was throwing too. people around. He was throwing people around, stopping the run. The Packers really barely got any running game going in that game. And you look at the complete level of, of the defense, the the Jets defense now has it at all three levels of it where you got an interior rush, an edge rush, guys that can cover. I was saying Aaron Jones should be two best covered by uh, two best covered corners in the league right now, I believe. And even so, when you came to the Packers matchup, outside of Tunyon, really nobody else did anything in that game where I was thinking maybe Aaron Jones as a receiver could be doing that. Alan Lazard in the slot areas could be doing more, and they didn't really do much in that game either. They were barely targeted, and that's just, that's a big kudos to the way that the Jets have been able to run their defense and be versatile in those fronts. Now, we know Robert Sala likes to do a lot of nickel as it is, so a lot of those slot corners were taking over, but they also played a lot more of those other linebackers, too. And ben, played- do not make that mistake. I'm sorry, Speedy. Uh, do not do not make any excuses to uh, Rodgers and, and why they lost because he had a hurt thumb. Okay? Yes, he probably was playing with, with a hurt thumb. That's not an excuse. That's not why the Jets beat them 27-10. Okay? Yeah. That's not the reason that's why. That's not a margin of, of 17 points. Do if they not. Lost, if they lost a seven-point game, that's different. Do not make the excuse no. that the reason why, the, the, the whole reason why the Jets won that game was because Aaron Rodgers wasn't 100% healthy. They were not winning that game. Yeah. They, they could not stop Brees Hall. They do not make up 17 points if Aaron Rodgers has a healthy thumb. It's not a shoulder. It's not an elbow. It's not something that's really significant. And it's not something that makes up 17 points, Ben. I'm sorry. By, by the way, Brees Hall, since he has come and, and, and for the New York Jets and since he was drafted, he is averaging 9.6 a carry, which is the league lead for running backs, mm-hmm. which is crazy right now. Right. Every time he touches the ball, he's averaging 9.6 a run. That's ridiculous. It really is. And if that keeps on going, uh, you're, we're, we're talking about a top five running back. You're talking about the best running back in football. Okay? And now, I don't know if he's – I want to see him do it against great defenses because if he can sure. do it against great defenses, then that's something. That's definitely something. He hasn't really done it against great defenses yet. Yeah. So, until that – he did it against Pittsburgh. They're a good defense. You want to say they're a good defense? That's fine. They're not an elite defense. Yeah, when they bad against the run. The if they could do it against the Broncos, that are a very good defense, then that's saying something. If he can go into Denver and run all over Denver and have a hundred yards in this game, back to back to back hundred yard games, and just is completely dominant the line of scrimmage, then we're talking about a guy that's just unstoppable, and he's going to be very hard to stop as the season progressively moves forward. And that's a good sign for the Jets because they're. Their schedule gets easier in the second half. It really does, especially the last six games of the season. I'm actually more curious how he does it against the other two matchups, too, the Patriots and the Bills, because the Broncos have been vulnerable at certain points in the season against the run. Their overall defense has been very good points-wise, and they've kept them in a lot of games when their offense has just been god-awful. But the Patriots were not— Chargers Chargers are a good running team. They couldn't run against them. Yeah, and the the Chargers did more of the screen pass stuff, but, yeah, they didn't really have a— super volume running game. Some of that was the game plan, too. For whatever reason, Justin Herbert threw the ball 57 times for whatever reason. I blame them one more on the offensive coordinator. But still, nevertheless, 
the Patriots and the Bills are both more improved run defenses than they've been in the past, too. Those have usually been more pass-defense-oriented teams, not as much run, and both of them have been improving against the run. And you know Bill Belichick, the way he likes to do it, they're going to take out your hot hand. So if Brees Hall keeps running for the third week in a row, the Patriots will do whatever they can to kind of stop him. Will it work? I don't know, because the Patriots, whenever they try to take out a running back, it doesn't work the, the same way. The Jets don't only have one running back. They have two of them. Right. Michael Carter, which I, I predicted was going to happen. Eventually, Michael Carter, who started the season as the number one, he was going to move to number two, and Brees Hall was going to be the number one. Everybody believed that Brees Hall should have been a first-round draft pick. He fell out of the first round because everybody thought, hey, you know what? Uh, you, don't, you shouldn't be drafting a running back in the first round. And they, a lot of people thought after last year with Harris and ETN, right. it wouldn't be smart to draft a running back in the first round. I think a lot of teams made a mistake passing up on this guy because even though he played four years in Iowa and has a lot of tread on those legs, this guy, usually a talented running back, plays five, six years. If you can get five, six years of the elite running back that we're seeing in Brees Hall, you have something. You can compete. You can win. So, and, I, and the Jets have always, over the years, have been good running teams. You know, with Curtis Martin, with Jones, they've had good running games. The problem with the Jets is they had nothing else. Right. They didn't have any wide receivers. Now they have wide receivers. They have Garrett Wilson. They have Elijah Moore, who has to stop complaining about not seeing the ball as much as he should. And, and Davis, and Corey Davis making some of the catches. Zach Wilson still needs to figure out this offense. When he figures it out, I think... They can absolutely be elite offense, and it's going to take at least this year to figure that out because Zach Wilson has all these new pieces. He's got new tight ends. He's got new wide receivers. He's got new running backs. So he And, and, and the offensive line is tra- changing every single week with the injuries that they have. So once this offensive line and this offense figures it out and he sees it to be what he believes it to be offensively, I think that this offense is going to be even more explosive than we're seeing right now, and which is crazy. They're getting better and better every week. And this offensive line, even with the injuries of Dwayne Brown playing with a hurt shoulder, which is going to need shoulder surgery in the offseason, and then Makai Becton was out for the season. Font might not be back until the bye, bye week. Right. Uh, uh, bye week is over, which is week 11. And then you have um, uh, week 10. And then you have, obviously, um, who's the other one that's hurt? I'm sorry. Um, they have uh, a lot of injuries with Tom, Max Mitchell. Tom, Max, Max Mitchell, Mitchell is another one. So Lakin Tomlinson has been dealing with injuries. He's played through them, but he's dealing with some injuries. I too. mean, when this yeah. offensive line gets healthy, uh, then you have so many pieces. Herbig has been fantastic yeah. for the Jets since they brought him from Philadelphia. Uh, it was a great move by Joe Douglas, by the way, bringing him in. Uh, who I, who could be the future starting guard? Uh, you know, because, hey, they might say, you know what? We're going to keep Elijah Vera Tucker at the right tackle position mm-hmm. for now on. I mean, because he, he, we can win like that. And then we keep Herbig, who's still fairly young. He's 23, 24 years old. And then Lakey Tomlinson, and you, you go after, and then you bring back, you, you bring back, um, um, uh, not George Fon. He'll be gone next year. You're bringing back uh, Dwayne Brown. Becton and Dwayne Brown, Brown yeah. Yes, and Becton. Then you can you can maneuver Becton for another two years, and maybe you draft another offensive lineman in the first or second round, like you did with Max right. Mitchell. Because Max Mitchell, he played very well when he was he was in on that roster before he got hurt. So I mean, if you're a Jet fan right now, you should be very excited, very happy about what this team has done, uh, and and the growth of some of the young players. I, I think this has been a home run draft for the New York Jets. It really has, and Sauce. Obviously, what we've seen so far, Garrett Wilson, and he needs to build, uh, you know, chemistry with obviously Zach Wilson. When he does, he'll be very explosive. He had it with Flacco. I want to see him do it with that, with Zach, 
And then uh, Jermaine Johnson, even though he's playing, you know, third downs, which really gets me frustrated because you drafted this guy, you moved up, you really liked him going into the draft, and you're only playing him on third downs. This guy is a run-stopping, you know, type of defensive lineman. If you don't trust him at the defensive line or the defensive end, move him into linebacker. Use him as a linebacker. He can play linebacker. He's fast enough, and he has the ability to defend against tight ends. Why aren't they using him more? And this is this is the thing, and this is why I've been complaining about Ubrick. I, I don't think he's a very good defensive coordinator. I think the players are figuring out the defense, and I think I I, I think Robert Sala has been more vocal with this defense now uh, in the last couple of weeks. So um, I think that's the difference of the way the defense is playing, and and also. I think offensively, Mike LaFleur has got to stop. And I'll say this because I, I, I'm a Jet fan. He has to stop with these trick plays. It's not working, okay? It doesn't work. He runs the ball in, you know, in places that he shouldn't be running the ball. And then when you should be running the ball, you're throwing the ball. It doesn't make sense. You know, okay, so I, I believe when they – I think after this Denver – and listen, Denver is not going to be easy in Denver. And Denver lost two games in a row. If they lose this game against the Jets, the season is over for them. Oh, it's over. Anyway, but... No, it's not over yet. <laughs> not technically. But... No, they've won two games. <laughs> so it's not over yet. You're giggling, Speedy, but it's not. The AFC has been bad. This is not. No, I know that. I'm just judging quality of play. It doesn't really. matter. Like there are, there's like a good three and three. There's a good two and They're, four. The Broncos have not looked. Uh, they still have to play Las Vegas again, who has not played well. They still have to play the Chargers. There's no guarantee that they're, they're the Chargers are any good because of their injuries. They have not looked good. They barely beat them in the last game. And and Kansas City, let's. I think Kansas City is definitely the best team in that division. That's not saying much. And their schedule gets easier. Denver's schedule gets easier in the second half. So I, I honestly, Denver could absolutely make the playoffs. This not, you keep saying it's over. If they lose this game against the Jets, it is over. They're two and five. Then They're, that means they got to win three more games to be five hundred. The chances of them doing that is slim. But if they win this game against the Jets. They're they're now three and four, and they're one game away from being four and four and five hundred. So this is such an important game for Denver. There's no shoeing for the New York Jets that they're going to go into Denver and knock off the Denver Broncos. There's no shoeing on that. I want to go back to the defensive line thing because it's interesting that they've done a lot more of the power rushing rotation the way they have now. Quentin Williams is going to play all those snaps because yes. he's been that good recently. And by but... the way, they finally he was playing sixty eight percent of the snaps. Right. Now all of a sudden, the last two weeks, ever since he screamed at his defensive line coach. He's playing 82%, which we expect him to because he's that dominant. And I'm so tired of seeing Ubrick, you know, trying to change the wheel. This guy is your best defensive player on that line. It's not even close. It's not even close. But I think in this game, even though I wouldn't recommend it long-term in every matchup, I think this game is definitely a good matchup to attack the Packers that are banged up on the interior where you're going to have more power rushers be able to win those kinds of matchups. Now, Carl Lawson still played well, too, on the edge, but you have guys that are more power rushers trying to take out Aaron Jones and trying to take out or trying to rush quickly Aaron Rodgers, who's had trouble in his career more with interior than edge rusher because Aaron Rodgers is mobile. He could escape from the edge rusher. How many guys do you see pick up a center and pick up a guard and practically toss him to the side yeah. to get to the quarterback. Yeah. How many defensive linemen besides Aaron Donald can do that? Honestly. Yeah, not many. Not it's... many. And he did it three times in that game against Green Bay. He not only threw them, he, he practically dropped one of, on, one of them on their heads. Okay, And you're talking about 300-pound offensive linemen. 
So he's playing over his head right now. And if I were the Jets, I would put him in position like the like the L.A. Rams put him. Donald put they put him in position to dominate the line of scrimmage, move him around that line, mm-hmm. make him put pressure on certain spots, the weakness, uh, the weaker part of that line, and and make if you if you put Quinn Williams on one side of the line, put Carl Lawson on the other side of the line, put pressure where it opens up gaps for the other players to get to the quarterback. It, that is what you're supposed to do when you have uh, this type of defense. And right now in the last two weeks, they've been the best defense in football. Yeah, they've been the best defensive football. I also think the way they've been game planning, though, you were talking about it with Jermaine Johnson in comparison, his snap count versus the other interior defensive linemen and some of the other edge rushers, too. The size that they're putting up front outside of Lawson, who's a, who's a bigger edge rusher, too, but still more of an edge rusher, allows Quinton Williams to also use his speed, too. And I think that's really helping when it comes to a pass rushing standpoint, him getting extra pressures. Quinton Williams was a big hype out of the draft. A lot of it was because of his speed for his size. It wasn't exactly just the raw brute that strength. and his strength. Man. Yeah, but also the speed for his size, though, too. So I think if they have other guys... Did you can... see what he did in the third per- third quarter against... I forget what uh, guard that he was yeah, playing it was against. Ba- it was because the Packers have a bunch of backups. In he right went down on this guy's but, waist. Yeah. He had him in the air. He tossed him in the air like he was nothing. He was like a, like a little doll, like a little teddy bear, mm-hmm. okay? Right, which he has that kind of strength of, as well for his 310-pound three, uh, frame, 315-pound frame, but the speed, I think, has also allowed him to rush the passer the same way, too, where you saw, you saw him have in the backfield a lot overall, and if you have those other guys up front to maybe take away some of the double-team potential, because Quinn and Williams, yeah, he was still getting some double-teams, but again, if you don't have, if you have a lot of size up front to be able to take it away, it's going to be harder for an offensive line, especially a backup offensive line to be able to double team you. And Quinn Williams was in fast because of that, too, as a result. He's going to make a lot of money in the offseason. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, I think, has five and a half sacks going into week seven. I mean, this guy, he's on pace to have 15 sacks this year. Uh, not only is now he's dominating the run, the Jets, nobody can run against the Jets right mm-hmm. now, uh, which has been a problem in the first three games. They're they're dominating the line of scrimmage that nobody can get through. And, and they're throwing people around. Even Aaron Rodgers. I don't care how hurt he was in that game. I don't care. It's not an excuse. Aaron Rodgers was scared to move outside of that pocket. He was scared. Because every time he got out of that pocket, you had Quinn Williams running after you. You had Lawson running after you. You had uh, Myers running after him. You had all these guys running after him that he was getting scared. So he stood in the pocket, and Aaron Rodgers isn't good in the pocket. He's better out. Well, he's good in the pocket. He's fantastic in the pocket. But he's even better running out of the pocket and making the throws on the run. And he couldn't do that in that game. And that threw the, you know, threw the curveball uh, to the, up. Oh, that could be gone. Nope. Just off the wall, but that's Maldonado. It's not really much of a hit or a run. surprising. There's Altuve, right? That is McCormick. He's the center fielder. Uh, I told you. Light-hitting catcher, Maldonado. Bro. I told you about Tayon. Yeah. I, I told you about him. I, I that mean, is not ideal. I mean, he's throwing down the middle. I mean, you cannot throw down the middle with this team. <laughs> I mean, every single other pitch, he's throwing down the middle. And they're, they're getting his timing. He's going to be pulled very quickly in this in this game. Because if they give up, a, if he gives up another run in this game, look at this. Watch this go down the middle, down the middle. I mean, me and you can hit the ball. I mean, our guests could hit the ball. That it's it's right down the middle. It's like going to a, a a batting cage. That's what it is. You're throwing what a 92 mile per hour. What, what was that? It looked like a slider. A slider that didn't slide. It was down the middle. 
Yeah, it stayed it stayed too middle. He was trying to look like he was trying to go middle away and trying to have that be a strikeout pitch, and he kept it over the plate. Now you have Altuve. Uh, this is going to be great. He'll smack it out of the park. That's all we need to do. Oh, this is great. Uh, uh, ben, uh, before we go to break, Ben also says it wasn't the main reason, but it definitely hurt the team. No, the main reason is your defense. Oh, so a mess hold right on now. one second. Hold on one second. So you would rather love playing the game over Aaron Rodgers? What are you nuts? <laughs> then you really get killed in that game. Nevertheless, Ben, your Packers <laughs> defense is a mess right now. Are You're you sh- kidding me? It's one of the most underwhelming units of any unit. If Love played in that game, they don't even score 17 against the Jets. What did they have? 17? They 10 game? points. 10 points. I'm sorry. They don't even have They might 10. get shut out. They get shut out by the Jets, and the Jets have 30-something points in the game because they get the ball more. more They'll get a pick you know? six. <laughs> Honestly, that's ridiculous. You have to play Aaron Rodgers. Hurt or not hurt. Okay, it's ridiculous. That's crazy. But uh, your defense is a problem, though, Ben. You you have to really deal with the fact that you just you struggled against the Patriots' third string quarterback. Then the other Giants come back on you down ten points in the fourth quarter mm. against that offense that has all these receivers banged up. Saquon Barkley wasn't playing a hundred percent in the fourth quarter, and now against the Jets, yeah, they, they only allowed twenty points. It was not offensively; it wasn't like god awful, but still. They had, did not play well in that game either for a unit that's supposed to be really good and was really good last year and didn't lose much of that talent. It is not good right now, Packers defense. I just Looking at Tyone, he looks like he's, he looks like he's like in his own little world or something. I, I don't know. I understand you're facing Altuve, but you're playing and you're pitching in, in the ALCS, and I expect you to go out there and give you your best game. And you, it looks like you weren't even ready to play in this game. I, I mean, seriously, you have been in trouble in both innings. Both innings you've been in trouble. If it wasn't for Aaron Judge, it'd be 2 nothing. Now you're, you're in trouble again because you gave up, what, two doubles in this inning? Mm-hmm. I mean, give me a break. Right hitters, too. McCormick's a barely 200 hitter. is a defensive center fielder. And now Maldonado's a defensive catcher. Nothing offensively. And he, they're hitting against him. And watch, he'll strike out this guy. You know, He'll figure that one out. Who barely strikes out? That would yeah, be something. It'd be, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. When we come back, we'll be talking to our friend, football sapien, owner, and scouting consultant, John Vogel, here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouth. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS with its Apple or Apple. Apple. Uh, WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We're watching this absolute debacle of a Yankee game. Uh, it's 1-1. Uh, he walks Altuve. It's man on first and second, two outs, and you have another dangerous hitter right up. So it, it doesn't make any sense. And I, I'll tell you this right now. If he gives up another run, Aaron Boone has to get that bullpen moving because they cannot fall behind in this game by two runs. There's no chance they win this game against just Justin Verlander. Not a chance. They have to play... Uh, top, not behind, if they have any chance of beating this team. But that's a whole other story. Is that Pena again? It is Pena. Yeah, Way to double yeah. last Pena, time. Pena's been hitting second for them all postseason. I'm so disgusted. Um, now we have our special guest. We haven't spoke to him since the draft. Very happy to have him on because I have a bone to pick with him. We are now talking to football sapien owner and scouting consultant, John Vogel. Mr. Johnny Boy, what's up, man? Oh, 
you know, I, I knew as soon as I, I heard from you guys about, you know, being invited back on the show that you were going to have a bone to pick with me. I knew exactly what it was going to be, and I'm prepared to take it. So <laughs> it's, it's more his bone. I don't have a, I don't have that kind of criticism. Well, I, I, the criticism is, is that there was a couple of players that you thought weren't going to be any good coming out of the draft. And, uh, you know, my team drafts them, and they're pretty damn good. I'm, I'm actually yeah. – oh, here he goes with his stupid pump. He was very lucky to get him out. Oh, my God. Why do you pump? What is the point of pumping? This stupid – I'm not even going to say it on live radio because I, I'm – if I ever met Josh Donaldson, I'd say he's an idiot. He's pumping. And by barely the way, that out. was barely out. Barely out. Wow. He just got him with his stupid pump. Anyways, um, before we get into it, uh, how are you and your family? How have you been since COVID? You know, everything's been settling back in and, uh, you know – I finally was able to quit a, a day job and focus on doing football all the time. Really? You know? So that's, yeah, that's, you know, NFL draft blitz. Um, I started with them back in August and they've given me the opportunity to just sit back and watch football all day. And uh, yeah, I put on a few pounds, mm. but I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, you know, and just trying to take in everything that's going on in the NFL in college mm. and focus on, you know, what what's, what's real, what's not. I have a lot more time now, which is great um, to sit back and just kind of keep up with everything and put the work in. And it's been awesome, man. It's been awesome. Well, we know you're a Tennessee fan as uh, yeah. Alabama <laughs> gets knocked off by your Tennessee. Um, yeah. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a debacle either. They, I, I think they just completely outplayed Alabama in that game. And uh, congratulations to you and your Tennessee team. Uh, what are they? Tennessee Tigers? What are they? What are they called? Volunteers. The, the volunteers. The, the I'm volunteers. sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm I'm bad with names, but uh, the volunteers. I. You know what's so funny? I, I all these years with Tennessee, they're more of a basketball team than a football team. I I don't know them as a football team more than a basketball team. Their their basketball team's always in the tournament, always in the tournament, and uh, uh, so I've always meant I've always followed the basketball team, never the football team. So it's so funny. Ben was wearing the Tennessee Volunteers hat. I thought it was the Texas, yeah, the Texas Longhorns right. hat, <laughs> and he's like, oh, "You know that's te- you know that's the te- the Tennessee uh, Volunteers." I was like, "Oops, I mean, like, come on, man." Like I, like I, I was so you know, tired. It's, it's funny that you say that too, because you know, ten years ago, volunteers, the volunteers are not a basketball team either. You know, yeah. that's something that Rick Barnes has really built there in the last five years. I want to say since he took over, but you know, before that, they were not a team that was in the tournament. They were kind of a laugh, you know, laughing stock when it came to sports in general. But you know, I think the athletic department there they put a lot of focus into getting it right. You know, it's taken. It's been. There's been some growing pains. You can go back to the whole Philip Fulmer thing when mm. they fired Jeremy yeah. Pruitt a couple of years ago. Like that was all. There was a whole lot of stuff going on. But there's been a general. We want the athletic department to be better. Consensus from the university presidents, which has been great. So. Well, some Texas Longhorn hats are with a T. So yeah. So I yeah, that's, and, it, and it is. Yeah. It's a similar T. Yes. I'll give you that. I think that the the Tennessee and their colors are similar too. More, the color, their colors are pretty similar too. Yep. So, one's orange, one's burnt, burnt orange, orange, as they like to call it. Yeah, yeah. they're, burnt they're orange, similar. They call it. We're more of a straight orange. No, but I, I mean, their yeah. colors are similar. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's orange, yeah. so that's why I thought it was the the Texas Longhorns. But I was tired and I I didn't sleep going in and and and, and obviously doing play by play for seven high school or you know ten year old football games. So uh, I was very tired. 
Uh, ten hours of that crap, but never. And, <laughs> and Rick Bards coached at both schools. He used to coach at Texas, now coaches at Tennessee. That's true too. I know it's crazy. Yeah, man, it's crazy. But why don't we get into it? Because uh, um, I, I want to get into the NFL, and there are two players in particular that play for my New York Jets that you weren't too fond of. You, you, you even yeah. said it coming out of the draft. You, you, you like Garrett Wilson. I know you, you liked him. You said he was the best wide receiver in this draft. Uh, but there were two other players that you were like, Brees Hall, you, you said that he has too much tread on his legs, that you don't know how it's going to work in the NFL. He's been beaten up a lot over there in Iowa. And uh, you were wrong about that because a lot of experts now believe this guy, by the end of the season, will be a top five running back in the league. He's averaging 9.6 rushes, a carry. I mean, it's it's ridiculous what he's been doing the last three weeks. I, I, I mean, the Jets have moved the way offensively with their wide receivers now. And they say, give the ball to Brees. Let him catch the ball in the backfield. Let him run the ball. He's going to run through them more more likely than uh, not likely. So you have him and then Sauce Gardner, who – you were you were you didn't even think he was the best corner in this draft. You were saying no. so. No, I no. I, I thought that I thought his length was going to get him in trouble sometimes, and mm-hmm. I think you know he's put on some highlight things, which has been great. And you know uh, we we're, we always like the highlight tape. We always like seeing that stuff uh, on our on our social media feeds or whatever. And kind of under the surface, there's been a few bad plays too, where it's kind of been the issues that I thought was going to be the problem. But no, in all in all. He's held up on the boundary, and he's been great for them. And, you know, I, you hope he just keeps getting better every week. That's well, what we're all about in football. And, but, no, he's, he's been a smash hit so far. I, I thought he had a pick six against Green Bay in the early game in the first quarter. I, they took it away from him. I didn't understand yeah. that, taking it away from him. But uh, he, he every single week he's got better. And he's only given up one touchdown, which, by the way, wasn't his fault. It was Joyner's fault. But that's just my opinion. But he has really shut out the opposition. Opposition, And everybody says, well, he's not going to dominate like he did in college and high school where he didn't give up a touchdown. He has given up one touchdown in six weeks in the NFL football as a rookie. And on the other side of the ball, they have DJ Reed who hasn't given up anything. So they have arguably the two best corners, the two, two elite corners right now on their team. And now the defensive line's figuring out. And then your, your thoughts about Brees Hall. Are you surprised right now how dominant he's been and how dominant uh, a lot of people thought he wasn't going to be coming out of college? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think we just kind of overthought everything. We went with old tendencies, right? I mean, Brees tested out of the world at the Combine, you know, and you know, some of us, we looked at that. And you, the Combine's one of those events you can kind of take it or leave it a lot of times because uh, we play football in pads and helmets, and in the combine we're running around and we're in shorts and t-shirts, mm. you know, so there's, there's some guys that carry pads better than other guys do. And they'll run faster in the 40 or whatever. But, and they, obviously that was not the case with Brees. He's looked great. Um, I think the biggest thing with him is just the power speed combination. You know, it's at his size, we're not accustomed to seeing a guy who can move like he can. And we're not accustomed to seeing a guy who, you know, he, he's able to use his speed to power, which is that's, you know, that's typically something that you see in smaller running backs, guys that are smaller stature. That's what they do. But he does that really well. And then I think the last thing, too, is kudos to the Green, uh, the Jets offensive line. Mm. I mean, that was a unit that we did not expect to see great things from this year. Mm. And they've held up pretty decently well so far. So um, I think all those things combined has helped him a lot. 
at this point of the season. And, um, yeah, it kind of, you kind of wonder when you see Michael Carter out there, why is that guy even on the field right now? Because Brees has been that dominant. He's been that, he's been that key. So, um, but, yeah, I, I hope to see him get some 20, 30 carry games and see what he does and how he handles it. I don't think he um, needs to. I don't. I don't think he needs to carry the ball 20, 30 times because you have Michael Carter who's touching the ball 15 times, and he's still putting up decent numbers. And I, I, I think it's going, only going to get better when they can transition both of those guys into the offense because yeah. I, I think the offense is still trying to figure out who they are. And that you, you were talking about the offensive, the offensive line. That offensive line hasn't been healthy all season long. I mean, mm-hmm. George Font was supposed to be the right tackle. He moved to left tackle. Then Max Mitchell moved to the right tackle position. They're both out. Then you get – Dwayne Brown backward. You paid him a you know a significant amount of money. He has a hurt, hurt shoulder. He's playing with a hurt shoulder. You move uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, your star guard, to the tackle position. He's played unbelievable at the tackle position. And now Lakinson and and then Herbig, which you brought in as a backup guard. He's been fantastic from the Eagles that they brought him in. And McGovern's been pretty good at the center position. So you're right. The offensive line's been better. But who would have thought that this beat-up offensive line in the last three weeks has been dominant. Yeah, no, and so Elijah Vera, uh, Vera Tucker, he's interesting. Mm. Um, he played left tackle at USC. Yes, he did. And I think there were a lot of people uh, that liked him better at tackle than guard. I was, I thought he was a better fit at guard just simply because, you know, when you're playing tackle, you have to be quick, right? You have to move around. You have to have that lateral quickness, and I wasn't sure that he had it, especially after seeing him go up against Kayvon Thibodeau in the 2020 uh, Pac-12 championship game. Mm-hmm. But now he's held up really well there, and that's I think that's been the key is he's had experience in that position. And then you mentioned also Max Mitchell. This is a guy mm-hmm. like came out. He went through the Senior Bowl. And I love this guy. And he was he's I thought he was potentially going to be a starter by next year, mm-hmm. and so he's exceeded those expectations. He's had to step in. He's played well. I think that uh, they just they had a really good unit. They've got a really good coaching staff. That's over the top of that, and um, that's what's that's what's got them running right now on on fumes. I guess you could kind of say. And, and look at the depth when he comes back, and when Font comes back. Look at the depth you have on the offensive line. You can maneuver the offensive line. You could bring a a fifth offensive lineman at in some of the plays. I mean, this could be a very unique trend for the New York uh, Jets that they have not had, and that's depth at that line. Yes, versatility. Versatility is the number one most important thing in the NFL because you've got 40, what, 49 guys that you can have on an active day roster. Uh-huh. And when you have to make those cuts, you know, from the 53 and say, you're not playing today, you're not playing today, you're not dressing, you want to have the guy, the most versatile guys that can play as many positions as possible. That's where Taysom Hill's made a living in the NFL. That's where, you know, guys that are corners that can play safety, they get they make that too. You know, and so that goes for offensive linemen too. The more offensive linemen that you can play all across the, the blind, the more that you can put in the game at the same time, um, the better that you're going to be, especially in special situations. So is there any draft class so far from what you graded as that you surprised his play as well as it has and the reverse? Josh Donaldson stinks, okay? I don't know why. <laughs> they need to pull him out of this game. This guy can't hit anything. This guy's throwing it down the middle and it's say, come on, come and hit me, 96 miles per hour. And he is not even coming close. The guy sucks. Get him out of the game. He's horrible. Sorry. So any, one, one draft class that you think has been surprisingly good and surprisingly bad? So surprisingly bad, I think, has been the Carolina Panthers. And some of that has obviously been to, you know, for un, 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 um, 
unforeseen circumstances with Matt Corral going down with the injury, forcing you to, you know, they've made the trade for Baker Mayfield to kind of fix that, try to fix that quarterback position. That hasn't helped too much, but they've had no help from their draft class. And we thought that there were a lot of guys that thought that Icky was going to be a great player, you know, on that offensive line. Haven't seen it from him yet. So I don't like that. Uh, so I think the Panthers have been underwhelming at this point. Now, guys, I, honestly, I can't think of a draft class right now making a bigger impact on their team than uh, the New York Jets right now, in all honesty. Like, the the, the shit that I came on here – can I say that? I'm sorry. Yeah, you could say it. God, that's fine. Okay, so the shit that I talked when I came on here, you know, last time about those certain players that we just mentioned and how they stepped up and they played really, really well and went through it. And everybody's making an impact, it seems like, except for Jermaine Johnson, which you know he's going to come on at some point as well. Mm-hmm. But they've been deep. They they did a great job. The guys have developed there. And uh, I don't think anybody has more impact rookies right now playing on the field than the, the New York Jets do. It's it's pretty amazing. It really is. And and like like you said, Max Mitchell, who was playing out of this world, uh, nobody would have thought that he was going to start as early as he did with the injuries that the Jets had. Mackay Beckham was supposed to be starting right tackle. He was out before you knew it. And then they yeah. lost Font as quick as he did. Nobody would have thought Max Mitchell was going to be as good as he has been. It's been very impressive uh, for the New York Jets. And like you said, Jermaine Johnson's only playing one down. I mean, and he already has almost two sacks. If he actually plays more than one down on every single drive, uh, maybe we see a better Jermaine Johnson. But right now, that defensive line's been so dominant, they're not going to do that. So, uh, it, Clemens has looked good, too, by the way. He's, he's looked fantastic when he does play, too. So, I, every single one of their rookies have played big for this team. And if they continue doing what they're doing, I don't know if they're a playoff team. And I, I predict, I predict in a good year, they win eight or nine games. Uh, in an AFC that's very, which was supposed to be really good, it's been very weak. So maybe something you know happens and they they win ten games and they squeak into the playoffs. And who knows with a young team with the confidence, ask the Bengals, anything could happen. And I'm not so sure that the AFC is weak. I think it's you have so many great teams that are beating up on each other right now. Mm. You know, I think once we get down to the end of the year. The, the top end, the records won't be as good as the top teams in the NFC. Mm. You know, I think the Philadelphia Eagles sitting at 6-0 right now, as good as they've been, mm. has been really a, a product of the lack of competition in the NFC right. right now. But, you know, when you look at the Buffalo Bills, they're, you know, 5-1. and one. They dropped a game, you know, to Miami. Miami, when Tua Tagovailoa is on the field, is great. I mean... Baltimore has dropped a couple games that they shouldn't have. Right. You know, and one of them to Buffalo. One against the Giants, you know, so, too. Yeah, the, the Bengals coming off the Super Bowl, they're 3-3 three and three right now, too. And, you know, they couldn't beat the Ravens. So yeah. it's really a, a bunch of teams that are just really good and they're beating up on each other. And uh, the fact that the Jets have withstood at, at this point or sitting at 4-2 and two really speaks volumes about where Robert Sala has this team right now. Oh, and it, it could be very fun to watch. Uh, it won't be this year, but next year, I think that's the year when you see the transition for the New York Jets with the draft that they have, the money that they'll have off the books uh, going into the offseason. This could be uh, a transition time for the New York Jets and the Jet fans to finally see a consistent winner that we haven't seen in such a long time. Oh, yeah. Agreed, 100%. You were mentioning the Ravens, too. The Ravens should be 6-0 and right now. They blew three double-digit leads already so far this season. And I, I'm a yeah. Giants fan. I remember in 2015, the Giants blew five uh, 
five leads under two minutes to go in the fourth quarter that year. I would I never would have thought I would have seen anything that bad, but the, what the Ravens are on right now, they were up by 28 against Miami. They were up by mm-hmm. 10 against the Giants with six minutes to go, and they were up against the Bills 20-3. to three. Like, they blew all those games somehow. I mean, that's just insane. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of it, too, has been the secondary. You know, the secondary's yeah. been the weakness of this team, which, you know, when we talk about, the Baltimore Ravens, that's not something that we expect to typically see, right? Is the Ravens secondary being bad. That's usually the strength of yeah. when we think traditionally of the Ravens. Yeah, you think Ed Reed, we think, you know, there's been guys that have come through that secondary over and over again. They've been really good the last few years. And it's not like they lost anybody, you know, that was incredibly impactful. Right. I think that it's more, they're just not playing well as a unit right now. And you've got, you know, a young rookie in Kyle Hamilton who, we hyped up and we said he was a great prospect, a great safety prospect, and he showed some good instincts. He's made a couple of good plays, but he's been on the back end of a lot of those coverage busts too. And a lot of it has to do with his lack of speed, which, you know, it's why we worry about the 40 yard dash sometimes, especially at your pro day. When your pro day 40 yard dash drops off 0.2 seconds, you're worried about that. But, you know, I think, uh, honestly, if they can figure out how to shore up their secondary and not put the game, you know, the pressure on Lamar Jackson where he's having to throw the football to try to get them to victory at the end of a game after blowing that kind of a lead, they're going to be all right. Um, But again, too, lots of great teams. Mm -hmm. Buffalo is a great team, you know, and you blow that kind of lead. Miami, when, like I said, when Tua is playing, is a great team. You know, he gets those receivers the ball. He throws with the anticipation, the timing. He's got all that stuff going really well for him. And uh, those are in the Giants, as much as I hate to say it as an Eagles fan. You know, they're a great team right now. They, they're they playing really well. Brian Dabble has them where they want to be. They're second in the NFC East for a reason, and uh, they're going to keep on trending upwards with that. I think that um, from everything that we've seen, all those players are in the best position to succeed. I think that, well, especially with the teams that they're coming up playing, they play the Jaguars, they play the Texans, they play Seattle. Yeah. I mean, they could go into their bye week 8-1. and one. I mean, it's crazy to say that, but the, 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 the New York Giants, which, by the way, don't have a lot of talent. They really don't. Uh, they've been very lucky, and I will say that. They were lucky against Green Bay. Because uh, that was Green Bay's to win. There was two blocked, yep. and, 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 and Thibodeau. And Thibodeau, in the second half of that particular game uh, the last week against Baltimore, he made some big defensive plays. And I, a, lot of the, a lot of things show for the New York Giants. It's not because of the talent. It's really because of the coaching. And they believe in Dable. And I, I think he's a fantastic coach, by the way. And he, to me, no matter what happens, even if the Giants end up winning nine games or ten games and they squeak into the playoffs, to me, he's the coach of the year because they have no talent. Okay. Yeah, Brian, and that was the thing, too, about him, you know, is I watched him come up into the NFL. You know, obviously, he's been with the Patriots for a long time uh, as their tight ends coach, and he ends up in Alabama, you know, coaching with Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he replaced Lane Kiffin as the offensive coordinator, if memory serves correctly. So he was there for a year. And this team, you know, they went and they won national championship with a quarterback change in, at halftime, if you remember that game. Uh, Jalen Hurts was the starter. They went in with a, with with they went out down 10 or something and to a tongue of a low, came out as the starter and won the game. Dabble was the offensive coordinator that year. Mm-hmm. And we saw a lot of great things from that scheme. We really started talking about Alabama being an offensive team after that season, you know, where they had the receivers, they had the running backs, they had the quarterback that was a playmaker for the first time in, you know, Alabama history. Mm-hmm. So 
Dabble was had a lot to do with the culture change and the way that they changed everything at Alabama. And he only brought that into Buffalo and only, you know, turned around and helped develop Josh Allen into the great quarterback oh, that we see yeah. now. You know, Dabble has a lot of responsibility for that too. So I like him. I love him. I, I thought that uh, him getting the head coaching job was overdue. It's it's unfortunate uh, that he ended up as a New York Giants head coach, but, um, you know, it, they made a good choice. They got they have that front office uh, hopefully cleaned out with all the guys, that, all the people that need to go. And, uh, yeah, like, Dabble is, Dabble is legit, man. He's we're, still stuck with, we're still stuck with Kenny Galladay, though. <laughs> That's not his fault. There's not I, much didn't, I didn't say that was Dave's fault or, or Shane's, but he's the last one of the uh, rotting bad contracts. Uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to football sapien owner and scouting consultant John Vogel. You know, it, it's so funny because we were just talking about the Giants and, and, and what Dable has done. I think it's been, first of all, Dable, and I'll say this just about Dable, Dable really changed the throwing motion of Josh Allen. Josh Allen wouldn't be the quarterback he is today if it wasn't for Dable. And he's become, to me, the, the best quarterback in the NFL. Right now, if you were to ask me who the number one quarterback in football is, it's Josh Allen, uh, especially what he did against Kansas City the other day. So he he not a, he didn't hurdle over a guy that was almost six foot five. He jumped over a guy that was almost six foot five. Uh, he was unbelievable, and that has a lot to do with Dable and, and his putting his you know stamp to it. And I think he's going to help Daniel Jones out. I do believe Daniel Jones is the future quarterback of that team. It's going to take a little while for them to fi- him to figure things out, like it did for Josh Allen. But Josh Allen was not good his first two years. He was horrible his first years. Everybody thought he was a bust. Then they, tra- they changed his throwing motion. And then his second year, he didn't make any mistakes. He was, he was mistake-free. He stayed out of the mistakes. He wasn't throwing a ball. And then the third year, that's what changed everything. He figured things out his third year and became the star that he is. And they made that trade for Stefan Diggs, and, and that, there she goes, you know. And then they drafted Gabe Davis, and they, they, they started to fly. So I think da- Daniel Jones is the guy, and I, I think that he's got all the ability. He's faster than Josh Down- Josh. Uh, Josh um, Allen. Allen is uh, outside the pockets. So he's more athletic. So I, I, I think that if he could figure things out or figure out, Dable could figure out his weaknesses to his strength, uh, they, he can make him into a winner. I, I think there's there's only one quarterback guru. Everybody keeps saying this guy, North Turner's a quarterback guru, and this guy, <laughs> Kyle Shanahan's a, qu- a quarterback guru. This man is the legit quarterback guru. I think he can transition any quarterback in the NFL into a star quarterback, and that's why I think he's going to be great. I wanted the Jets to get him. He was playing in the back-to-back AFC title. He played in the AFC title game, so the Jets couldn't interview him, and they started to go and they weren't wrong about Robert Sala. Robert Sala looks like he's the real deal, but uh, I mean, Dable has been fantastic. I've been very impressed. Um, But I I want to get into what you've seen so far. And, and I know you scout rookies uh, in college football. Is there a particular rookie that really stands out right now? Obviously, Stroud has been fantastic. He's been the best quarterback in college football. There's no question that he is. He's right now the predominant Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, you can't argue that. And him or Anderson, who has been fantastic for Alabama as far as a pass rusher, but it usually doesn't go to a defensive player. The last time yeah. I went to a defensive player, I don't even remember. Charles last. Woodson. It, Charles was the, Woodson. it was the yeah. only one. Hutchinson was a finalist last year, but obviously wasn't going to win it. So, so it, it's probably, I mean, unless Bryce, uh, Bryce, Hall, uh, Bryce Young, I'm sorry, goes on this, like, you know, binge where he, he just completely dominates. 
Uh, I think it's Stroud. He, he's going to win, and he's probably going to be the number one pick uh, the way it's going. But what are your thoughts? Is there a particular player or certain players that really stood out or are standing out right now in college football? Yeah, I can't talk enough about what how special uh, Will Levis at Kentucky has been this year. And really, it started last year. You know, they had Liam Cohen as the offensive coordinator. He just recently, you know, this past offseason went back to the Los Angeles Rams, where he came from, to take that offensive coordinator job. But the Will Levis was not a guy who was a passer when he came to Kentucky. Uh, this is a guy that he played at Penn State. He was sort of a running quarterback. He came in in relief of uh, Sean Clifford during the COVID season and kind of looked all right. But he came to Kentucky, and he's really shown out as a passer. And you want to talk about a Josh Allen type of guy that could potentially really rise in this class, that's Will Levis. Uh, he's got the physical tools. He's big. He's not as big as Allen is, but in terms of girth, he's about the same. Uh, so very similar build, but great arm, very athletic, has all the intangibles that you want to see, wild personality. Mm. You know, uh, this guy – has Instagram videos where he's posted eating a banana without taking the peel off first and putting mayonnaise in his coffee. Oh, I that mean, was just gross. Oh, God. Straight up savage, you know, like wild man, caveman type stuff. But, uh, you know, he's he's a, he's the real deal. He's looked great. And then on the defensive side, I think that enough can't be said about, you know, Army's uh, Andre Carter II, who is an edge rusher himself a lot, very, much, very similar to Will Anderson, and honestly is the best – arguably the best army um, prospect that's ever come out. And I think there's no question he'll get his waiver to go play professional sports and he'll be probably in the army reserve or whatever. And uh, very special guy in terms of tools, senior bowl loves him. Uh, he, he's going to go places too. So what about, what about your team's quarterback, Hendon Hooker, who I was not personally a big fan of. A lot of people were last year uh, as a potential mm-hmm. 2023 guy, but I, I think he's improved a lot this year. So how high do you think his stock could rise with the season they have this year, especially if Tennessee doesn't end up making the playoff? Yeah, if Tennessee ends up making the playoff, I think that's when we really get to see exactly who Hendon Hooker is. You know, because it's out, we'll see it against Georgia, this uh, I guess not this week, but the week after as well, yeah. uh, when they go on the road and they'll play Georgia, you know, in Athens. That's a big game. And so if you are a guy that wants to look and evaluate Hendon Hooker, that's one of those games that you're going to go ahead and circle. But I think, honestly, his his uh, potential is really – it's about where Jacoby Brissett is in terms of a quarterback. He's going to be 25 next year, which is a good bit older than a lot of these quarterbacks that are coming out in this class. And so I think that's going to hurt him a little bit too. But um, he, he's got he's got a, he's got a really good arm. He's throwing with really great accuracy. There's there's some things that you know would clean up a little bit with his feet, I think. Um, but overall, this is a, a day two guy who might slip into the end of the first round. As everybody knows, we are talking to football sapient owner and scouting consultant John Vogel. You know, it's so interesting with college football because you see all these young guys. We were talking about quarterbacks. You're talking about pass rushers. But, uh, you know, the, the important positions, the offensive line, the guys that are going to make big money, besides the quarterbacks, the cornerbacks. Uh, but there are certain positions that really st- has stood out right now in college football, and that's the safety position there. Two safeties, I forget their names that everybody keeps talking about, uh, highly profiled guys that could be top 20 guys. One of them could be top 10. Uh, the safety position, there's a lot of NFL teams could use a good safety 
you know, on their team. One of them are the Jets. Uh, there, you know, there was a safety drafted by Baltimore, who everybody thought was highly profiled in Hamilton, who has really not cut it so far in his first year uh, here in the NFL. Is there a few safeties that really have stood out to you this year? And which one is the best that you've seen so far this year? You know, it's funny that you ask about safeties because that's the group, the position group I'm just getting into really now. Just I, I've started a little bit. Um, the only real safeties that I've looked at extensively that I could give you a really good answer on is uh, so roving safeties. Guys like Jalen Petrie, who just came out and went to Houston in the second round and has been a really great player. Guys, box safeties. Um, I'm not sure the Jets could use one of those right now. Mm. But uh, it, it's not a position that I've gotten really deep into that I can really speak authoritative about, mm-hmm. to be honest. And it's one of the hardest positions to watch, too, mm. to evaluate, because every team plays their safeties differently. So I would say that's probably going to be something that I'll have to come back and tell you, because I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, try to lie to us, bullshit my way <laughs> through it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and so in Alabama looks great, you know, because that's the thing is, you know, every week different things change. There's a right. guy. You know, Daniel Hellams or uh, no, DeMarco Hellams at Alabama, number two. He's been, you know, a stud safety most of his career and looked like he was probably going to be, you know, a day two guy. And he was torched all day by Tennessee. He gave up four touchdowns to Jalen Hyatt by himself. We had five in the game. It's just every time Hyatt's running down the field on a big play, there's Hellams in the dirt trying to, you know, dive at him. But, uh, that's, you know, he went from being a day two guy to somebody who's probably going to slip. He might get drafted. Maybe, mm. maybe not. You know, there's, and it's because every different team, every different system uses their safeties differently and asks different things of them. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure yet, to be honest. I haven't really gotten into that position group. So what about the wide receivers? Another deep class of wide receivers, probably like probably the yeah. third, fourth year in a row. Um, Jordan Addison was a big one that got hurt uh, against Utah, unfortunately. Hopefully he's okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think is the best one. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, another one from Ohio State, who I think is the best one right now. But there's a lot of guys. Marvin Mims, Boutte from LSU. Is there any that stand out to you right now as being uh, leaps and bounds ahead of the others in this current uh, draft right now? Yeah, 100%. Quinton Johnson at TCU. Okay. I mean, you know, all those guys that we just named that you just named right there, they're good. They've, you know, but they have their issues. Boutte's struggled to get into the game this year. You know, uh, classic Brian Kelly. <laughs> it, it, Brian Kelly, Jaden Daniels. You know, it's it's both of them that struggled to get him in the game. But you know, he struggled, and that's a, that's concerning as an NFL guy. Um, you know, Addison's hurt, so we don't know what that status looks like. You might be looking at another Drake London type situation where he has a serious injury and you're going to someone might take a chance on him high. But uh, Quentin Johnson's look great. He's got a big body, very uh, like, you know, 6'3", 220 type body. Uh, so he can be your boundary guy. He could be your number one. And he's got great speed. And he's had three or four really, really big productive games this year. Uh, they against Kansas in the comeback this past week against Oklahoma State. He looked good, too. So I think uh, that's kind of the guy I think right now NFL teams are circling and saying this is somebody that we're going to target really high and he might not make it out of the top 10. As everybody knows, we are talking to football sapien owner and scouting consultant John Vogel. Are you surprised of Jalen Hurts' success all season on your Philadelphia uh, Eagles? Uh, Because a lot of people are. I don't know why. I think the guy has a tremendous ability, but – Alabama quarterbacks don't bold well. I know he played for Oklahoma, but he's an Alabama 
you know, obviously, uh, you know, recruit who uh, transitioned to Oklahoma. Are you surprised with his success? And with Philadelphia, have the opportunity to have two first-round draft picks this year. They're fully loaded, and their team is as good as they are right now. Are you surprised of their, their success with Jalen Hurts? No, I'm not surprised at all. Um, I Back in, in that draft process, uh, I was one of the – that was one of the first years that I really was involved with, you know, draft Twitter and – all that different stuff and, and starting to really, I think I launched my first website that year, um, draft right. But Jalen Hurts is one of my guys that I was, I'd pound the table for. Um, I thought that he was vastly underrated and people weren't paying enough attention to him because he had a linear progression throughout his entire career where he just got better every game. He did something, he improved on something every single game. And he's continued that you know, as the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles over the last couple of years, you know, it was enough to where they were willing to trade and take a giant cap hit to move Carson Wentz, you know, after paying him a crazy contract, you know, and I think when they moved him, it was the biggest cap hit in NFL history. Nobody had ever moved, you know, uh, a player and paid him that much money to leave. And so I think when something like that happens, it tells you a lot about the personality and the leader that you have, you know, at that position. Um, and he's just look at what he did when when he got benched for Tua back at Alabama is he didn't try to transfer and leave and go somewhere else. He stuck it out and he said, I know that I've struggled to read defenses and I struggle to throw the football. So I'm going to sit here, you know, behind the scenes and I'm going to work and build all of that and get better. And he did, you know, and we saw that when he stepped in the SEC championship game for the injured Tua and it brought them back to beat Georgia, you know, and so I knew that he had it in him. Now, did I think that he would be as great of a, like at the MVP level that he is right now? No, I didn't expect to see that this soon. But uh, it doesn't surprise me that he's here and the Eagles are the only undefeated team in the NFL. Georgia's game plan against Alabama should just be simply keep their starting quarterback healthy. Maybe they can win. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this time we'll get them. Yeah, no. Well, they, they did. It worked. It worked. It worked. It worked. They won a natty. You know, it, and it they kept Bryce Young healthy. So. Right. All they had to do was play the whole game, and they could just trust their defense to be able to win the, win the game and all those great catches that Pickens were making and stuff like that. Uh, that's all they had to do. So um, my question is with the Eagles, obviously they're a very complete football team right now, but is there anything either conceptually or maybe a position that you think they might be lacking the one thing that maybe they could get at the trade deadline or a specific player position that you think? Yeah. So I, I think as crazy as it sounds to say, because they've played so well and they have guys sitting, you know, in depth when they don't start to play well, but I think linebacker is still kind of the iffy part here, you know, because you're white has played outstanding, you know, this year. And uh, that that entire defense has played outstanding. A lot of that goes to Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator. And, you know, people have been talking about him as a head coaching candidate. He's definitely a guy that could really do it. Um, but I think that uh, linebacker is still kind of something iffy. N'Kobe Dean, you know, he comes off uh, that injury that he had during the pre-draft process. And I don't – I think that's part of the reason why he, you know, hasn't started playing yet. But uh, if you could get another linebacker, you know, decent at a decent price, I think you do that. Otherwise, I think the Eagles are pretty comfortable where they're sitting right now, and they're just going to sit pat unless there's more uh, injuries on the offensive line, which, you know, there were a few of them Sunday night against the Cowboys. Uh, so I think that might be a little bit, you know, concerning too. But whether that's a long-term injury and you need to adjust to that or not, we don't know yet. We are talking to football sapien, owner and scouting consultant, John Vogel. Last question for me, John. 
Uh, Micah Parsons, who has been fantastic. I, I mean, yeah. the guy has been a wrecking machine ever since he stepped on the field. Everybody, you know, a lot of teams passed up on him. The, the, the Giants, who a lot of people thought was going to draft him, passed up on him. The Cowboys, where he wanted to go, where his family wanted him to go. He goes to his, his team, the team that he wanted to play for. And he already, when he went on that stage and he, he picked up that jersey and that hat, he said, uh, I'm going to be an absolute wrecking machine, and people are going to know my name by the end of the season. Boy, did they ever. Uh, he was, <laughs> I, I mean, he won Defensive Rookie of the Year. He was almost Defensive Player of the Year. I think he was second or third in the voting. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic. I, I mean, this year he's just been scary good, too. I mean, it's ridiculous what this guy does. And he looks so small as a pass rush. He doesn't look like J.J. Watt. He doesn't look like... Aaron Donald, any of these freaking magnificent pass rushers. He's just a small, fast guy that can get to the quarterback every single time, no matter who's taking him. Double, triple team. For some reason, he gets behind and he just causes havoc. Are you surprised that Micah Parsons is this good? Yes. Yes, I am. And and uh, so when he came out, I, I had a lot. I, the concern that I had was he played all over the defense at Penn State. He played safety. You know, he played linebacker inside, outside. He played a little bit of defensive end. And he looked good at all of it. But a lot of times when you see a player like that at the college level and they play a lot of different positions, a.k.a. I'm going to give you an example from the previous year, Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. You know, was a guy that played all of those different positions. He even played in the slot, you know, at Clemson. And everybody thought he was going to be this stud linebacker, and he struggled to find a place on that defense in Arizona. He started to. But – you know, there's no position that he's great at. That's the whole point of being a pro, right, is that you are great at something. And while he's a great athlete and he can play all these positions, he didn't see him do it playing great at any one of those positions. And so that's kind of what I thought Micah Parsons was when he came out last year. And plus, he didn't play in 2020. I think he had an injury or something that prevented him from playing. Uh, that COVID season, or if he opted out. I no, I think he completely opted out. Uh, he was one of the yeah. Penn State and many yeah. guys that did that that year. But I just remember he didn't play 2020. So we were going off of what we'd seen his first two years. We didn't know where he was, didn't know if he'd progressed on anything. So he hadn't seen it. And so, um, yeah, that was my concern was that he wasn't going to find a place. But has he found a place? It's, it's what you talked about. It's the fact that he's not big like J.J. Watt and all these giant pass rushers, Miles Garrett, that we see. It's the fact that he is sturdy enough and quick enough to where he can get under blocks and he just flies by people because mm. he gets lower than they can. And he just keeps getting lower. You keep adjusting to him and he keeps adjusting to you. That's crazy. And that's the that's what's made him so successful. Um, and I loved what the Eagles did, you know, Sunday night, finding oh, yeah. a way to slow him down, which was, hey, make him the key defender. He wasn't 100% healthy in that game. He, he played because... No, he wasn't, but you forced him to make a choice, of right? Of course. You know, am I going to defend a pass and go with this receiver, or am I going to take away Jalen Hurts and his ability to run? We're going to see more teams that are able to do that. They're going to throw that at him, and he's going to learn. He's going to learn. I, I'm saying that confidently. He's going yeah. to learn how to adjust to that. So my last question is about your uh, your Tennessee football team. Um, mm-hmm. What was your rea- just reaction as a fan of the Alabama game? Were you surprised? And also, long-term outlook for the rest of the season. Now, you mentioned the Georgia game. They got Kentucky this week as well. What do you think is the ceiling for this Tennessee team? Yeah, tough one. Um, I think the biggest – first of all, the biggest thing about Tennessee – well, I guess my reaction first because that was the first part of the question. Yeah. Um, first one in so 15 I years. Was actually, I was actually on drill weekend with the National Guard, and uh, 
I was on a, I was doing duty at the same time as the game. And so I was sneaking out of uh, my duty to go outside and uh, <laughs> pull it up on my phone. Saw the, I saw them miss the field goal with 16 seconds to go. And I was like, well, I guess we're going to overtime. And then all of a sudden Hendon Hooker came to life and a couple, two plays later, we're, you know, trying our own field goal and putting it through. And let's just say I, 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 I may have broken uh, a hat uh, and maybe a, a, you know, button up top uh, as part of my uniform. And uh, it was, it was pretty darn exciting. And we're all Tennessee fans being Tennessee national guard for the most part. We had a few Alabama guys. We just had to give them hell for the rest of the weekend. But, uh, you know, years just, overdue. just kind of remind them who's dad, you know, now who's it doesn't matter. The, past, the past is dead. The past is dead. And, uh, you know, we're on top. So, um, just but cradle no, the great. baby. Just cradle the baby. Baby, like you saw. Yeah, exactly. I just and cradle him. <laughs> every time I've been concerned with this team this year, uh, you know, going into LSU, I was concerned with them because LSU is a very good defense. Mm. And up to that point, he had played extremely well. That was not a problem for them. So I know that they can go up against a great defense. They can put points on the board. The other thing that I was kind of worried about when against Alabama was, can you win a shootout? Uh-huh. And they showed absolutely they can win a shootout. And so I think that really the sky's the limit at this point for Tennessee. Uh, realistically, I don't think you can expect them to beat Georgia. I think it's going to be a very close game. Um, Georgia has shown some issues this year, which I think I've talked about a little bit on Twitter, um, specifically with how to confuse Stetson Bennett. So there's a blueprint out there already on it. And so I think that's going to help them a lot. But uh, overall, the ceiling is a national championship. And I think at the very worst, this team's going to be, you know, 10 and two, 11 and one. Before I uh, let you go, I just, one question for you. Who wins rookie of the uh, offensive rookie of the year? Who wins defensive rookie of the year in the NFL? Ooh, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, Honestly, I think offensive rookie of the year, the guy that really has stood out the most, Garrett Wilson was doing a great job until Zach Wilson came back. Um, he had a good repertoire that he built. It looked like in-game with Joe Flacco. Mm. He's going to have to build that with uh, Zach Wilson. But the guy that I, I think that his, you know, is the guy that I came on this show last, you know, last time I was on and didn't Ashton. talk very positively yeah. about it, it's Drake London. And Drake London's been great for the Atlanta Falcons, and he's got a good chemistry going with Marcus Mariota. I think that uh, he's got a really good shot at that. And defensively, oh, man, I think it's – it's going to be a toss-up between you know, a couple Texans, as crazy as that sounds. You've got, you know, Jalen Petrie's playing extremely well, but so is Derek Stingley Jr. You know, if Stingley can stay sauce? healthy this year. How about Sauce? He's not ready to jump the gun yet. <laughs> How about Sauce? He's, 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 sauce try, he's trying to get the expectations back I think up. it's going to be a tight race, but, you know, I think it's going to go to a DB ultimately right now. I think that's where uh, the – bulk of the talent could you imagine the the offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year come off the jets Brees hall and, and obviously sauce garner one and two defensive and offensive that would be a fantastic you That'd know be rookie class that fantastic. would be insane but i think the the biggest thing about offensive and defensive rookie is the fact that it's media voted yes and i think sometimes that's a problem coming from you know a guy that's worked in media for a long time hmm. but and the issue with it is there's a lot of media guys that cover football, but they don't know no football, you know. And so they're, they're looking in numbers and they're going, oh, this guy, you know, he did this and that. I think that's what hurts Brees Young or Brees Hall. And I think that's what potentially might hurt 
uh, Sauce Gardner because if they don't have the stats to line up with people at the end of the year, oh. they have a couple okay. tough games, then they're the not going to. I always said that should be. Yeah, the I stats are good. Corner award. I, I mean, yeah, I, no, right now, right now they look great. The yeah. stats you know, are the stats are good. I mean, if you look at uh, if you look at right now, it, 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 and you look the Texans, yes, you have Stingley. He's playing well, but he's given up two touchdowns. Sauce Gardner probably shouldn't have given up that other touchdown, or shouldn't have been his touchdown. If you look at where he is, he's given up one touchdown. He's his percentages in his rating is it's amongst the top five in the league. This is a rookie, and then Brees Hall, uh, he's right now averaging nine point six a carry. I mean, which... yeah, and and I and I'm hearing you, man. I'm hearing you, Earl. But here's the thing: is mm-hmm. got to have the bulk stats, yeah. yards, tackles, you know. Um, Sacks, uh, interceptions, touchdowns. Well, he has one interception, Sauce Garner. If he has two or three as a rookie, and he should have two, being that it was it was a pick six, he should have scored that. I don't, yeah, I don't understand. That didn't make any sense. Uh, I, I forget what they said. I was watching the game. I was watching the game doing the play by play. So I don't know why they called it back, but. Uh, that was an interception pick six. I don't know why they took that away from Stepped him. Stepped out of bounds, maybe? I No. I, did. okay. I didn't see it. So I was no, sure. it was a punt. I, I, I think okay. there was a penalty or something. They called a penalty. I have no oh, idea. Damn it, LaMarcus Joyner. <laughs> but I think I'll just blame him. It was a pick six. It really was. But Sauce has gotten better. I mean, he, he has an interception already. Um, and he's and to me, he's been the shutdown corner. I mean, how many corners? How many, how many corners have been better than him this year? Maybe two? Maybe he's been better than uh, Jalen Ramsey. Well, you know? Darius Slay's been on fire. Oh yeah, oh, oh, oh he's been fantastic. That's probably been the best corner in the league. Oh, he's been point. fantastic. And in terms of rookies, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's between him and Derek Stingley at this point. And I honestly, and I'm not saying this because I'm a Jet fan, he's been better than Stingley. He has been, and I like Stingley. And I like what they've seen with the Texans. The Texans have played hard in every single game. So, and they they've been fun to watch too. But. I, I, it's funny to say because I was I was reading something. There was an article that came out today. Wouldn't it be crazy that the two the offensive and defensive rookies of the year came off the same team? And a lot of people say right now, if the season were to end, Sauce Gardner is defensive rookie of the year, and Brees Hall right now, uh, especially the last three games and and the average, he's the right now he's the first rookie Jet to have back to back one hundred yard games. And uh, he's been di- – it's not even just – He has of- maybe 25 carries between those two games. I, I know. <laughs> I, I know. It's crazy. He's not yeah. even He's not even touching the ball 30 times, and he's doing those he's, – he's getting those numbers. That just shows you the dominant force that he could be. So uh, I, if you look at that, that, that could really stand out too when you're voting. You, you know, you were mentioning the interceptions too. That uh, that kid Woolen on Seattle already has four as well. Yeah, so he's yeah, getting no, up there. He's been so. shocking. I didn't think he was anywhere near ready to play mm-hmm. at, at at a starter level, but he's, you know, that's that dude. Wow. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's he has four interceptions as a rookie, but he's also given up like three, four touchdowns. So yeah, yeah. You I'm telling to, you, man, the voters don't look at that. Yeah, they don't have PFF. That's why I always said there should they be a shutdown corner, shutdown corner. Really, award. you have to look at those numbers. If you're not scoring any touchdowns against that corner. That's dominant. That is dominant. When uh, quarterbacks, top quarterbacks aren't throwing your way because they're afraid to throw your way, you have to look at that. That's yeah, not no, the... I, I 100% agree with you. It's just people cover football that don't understand football. Mm. Well, tell them they're idiots. There's a lot of them. You know, I'm not going to say any names, but there's a lot of them. 
you know. Uh, so. That should be a morons. shutdown corner award, different from the defensive player. No, of the I, 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 <laughs> shutdown corner. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I, I don't understand that. I mean, it, there are there are games like if you watched the the Bengals game, they didn't. Every time he was throwing it his way, when Higgins was he was throwing Higgins around. You know what I mean? And and by the way, Jamar Chase he defended Jamar Chase in almost that whole game. Jamar Chase had thirty six yards in that game. Thirty six. Yeah. And, and Gardner was taken in practically the whole game. What does that tell you? You have one of the best wide receivers in all of football. He was the best wide receiver in football last year, and offensive player of the year, and he shut him down. So it, it, that, that speaks louder than words uh, and numbers. So I, I agree with you. Uh, it, it's all about the numbers, but it, it, you can't sit here and tell me, honestly, that if you're not throwing his way, you're not going to give him credit for what he's doing. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's I, the other issue with PFF and their their cornerback grades in particular is it doesn't take into account, you know, plays where they're, they're not targeted. Mm. You know, I think this came up this past week because Pat Sertain wasn't a top five player on, Which on is ridiculous PFF though. grades. Yeah, because he was, he was absolutely dominant in that game and they wouldn't even throw it his way. <sighs> but uh, he, to me, you know, that was the thing was they don't they don't grade that stuff. Yeah, PFF or any of these types of different analytical sites, and that's what that's what stinks. Pat, Pat Sertan played so well that Monday night game against Mike Fantastic. Williams. He gave me a scare because I thought I had an easy win for our fantasy league against uh, his friend because I, I had I had Jalen Hurts and Mike Williams. I thought it would be going to be easy, and it took the last catch of overtime for me to win. Yeah, because <laughs> Pat Sertan <laughs> played so well in that game against Patrick him. Sertan yeah. has given up no touchdowns this year. And he's played against some of the elite wide receivers. I feel like he only, he only gave up one or two last year, and one of them was an insane catch by uh, Devontae Smith. Yeah, so. he's, he's fantastic, by the way. He really is. Honestly, <sighs> him, Slay, I think those are the, the those are the two guys. And by the way, and the Jets, their two best corners only given up one touchdown in six six games. That's ridiculous. It really, it's the safeties that have been crap for the Jets. But they've gotten better the last two weeks. Joyner has three interceptions, and, and Whitehead has one. So maybe yeah. they're figuring things out. If that defense, if that secondary all around figures things out, it's scary how good the Jets' defense could be all season long. Are you really seeing how important it is to have height at yes. the safety position? Because I think LaMarcus Joyner is, what, 5'6", so he's yeah. like my size. Yeah. yeah, he's better as a slot corner. And I, yeah, I always said that Or in the roving safety. safety. Yeah. You know, that's where he needs to he be. He was best, even deep. with the Rams, he was the best as a safety, as a slot corner. When they moved him to safety, Jeff Fisher's last year, and then Wade Phillips, too, mm-hmm. moved him to safety. He wasn't the same player. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's going to be fun. It really will, and hopefully it keeps on going. And, and right now they, they posted something on Facebook, which is very interesting. This is the first time that all three New York teams are over 500 in a very long time. I, I think no, it was there's like... There's only one New York team. Oh, you're going to turn it to the Dawson Knox <laughs> thing all over again? Dawson Knox quote tweeting the, the Twitter post that fell off Fox. No, but honestly, <laughs> I, I know you're to say New Jersey, but honestly, this is the first time that all three New York teams have over 500 in, I think, I think they said 15 years or something. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy how long it's been. So uh, it, it's a good sign. That, that's, good thing. that's a good thing for New York football. Uh, maybe it becomes a dominant time where you could see good – Football for, for what are you smiling about? You're always smiling, Speed. What's so funny? I don't understand it. It's it's pretty amazing. And all three th- three teams have good coaches. So uh, maybe coaches that'll be there for 10, 12 years. Maybe Dawson oh, Knox is going to start a rivalry with the Jets now <laughs> after quote tweeting that. Who? Dawson Knox uh, uh, yesterday is 
John said that right. It, they they had a graphic oh, that from came Buffalo? out. Yeah, he came out. He he quote tweeted the NFL on Fox tweet and yes. said, uh, "There's only one. New, there's only one uh, New York team. One of these is, isn't like the others, or something like that." And then they actually fixed the graphic to have it be a uh, NFL uh, New Jersey teams five and one, the Jets four and two, and Buffalo five and one. Yeah, great, great. So he's sparking a little bit of a rivalry with the Jets now. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get the Jets pissed off. I, I'll tell you that right now because you know they're going to go after him. So well, well, you know, Petey's just smiling because I just I say different things to get you fired up, and you don't. Oh, I don't, I, I, dude, I don't no. care. <laughs> I'm one of the guys. If you know me on my show, I I take shots at the Jets. Uh, I'm a Jet fan. I'm not going to sit here and say they still got a lot to prove. And uh, the one thing I, that stands out to me, what I like about Zach Wilson is he's not. He's figuring things out now. He realizes that he doesn't have to throw 300 yards to win the games. Play the game. Win the game. You don't need to do that. Show your your worth. And when you need to make those throws and you need to throw 300 yards in a game, you'll have the opportunity to do so. You don't need to do that. Win the game. It, it, I know everybody keeps saying, well, we still don't know what Zach Wilson is. I think we know who he is now. We know that he's not the same Zach Wilson he was his first season, but he's not going to throw the ball in all different areas where he's going to get himself into trouble. Make the throws that you can make, and if you can't, throw it away and, and live it to see another day. That's where success starts to build, and that's what happened with Josh Allen. And when he trusted his players, everything started to click. I think it will when, when Garrett Wilson, he figures out what Garrett Wilson – and by the way, the one thing I couldn't stand watching that Green Bay Packer game is none of the wide receivers can get open. None of them. Uh, uh, Alexander shut down Garrett Wilson. That's how good Alexander is when he's healthy. And even the other guys. Elijah Moore needs to shut his mouth. Oh, I'm not seeing any, any throws to me. Get open, you idiot. Actually get open, and the ball will go to you. I mean, you haven't been open in three weeks. Even against defenses that are not 100% healthy. Please stop bitching. And Corey Davis, listen, the reason why I caught that ball is Zach put it in the perfect position for him to catch it. So, I, I mean, Elijah Moore should shut his mouth. He, he's really <laughs> embarrassing himself because, dude, you were not open the whole game. You were not open the whole game. I, I swear, if I watch the game, you can watch it on NFL, the NFL.com. You can pay for it. You can watch every single play and zoom into the play and see everything. He was not open, except I think two plays he was open, where you know Zach would never be able to get the ball to him anyways where he was. Um, there was no way he was going to catch the ball anymore. The guy can't run a route. I don't know what's wrong with him, but he has been horrible at the route running. Garrett Wilson's been running routes, and he's been open almost the whole game. Yeah, It's just I, I don't think Zach Wilson has a good rapport with him yet, and I think it's going to take another year. It's going to take this year to figure that out. I think as the season yeah. progressively moves, uh, they'll build, they'll build uh, you know, chemistry. chemistry, and they'll figure things out together. But uh, All the pressure of the Wilson to Wilson reenacting. Yeah, <laughs> well, I also think if you're watching the games, you could see that Zach Wilson has grown up. You could see it. It's not... I I might I mean I'm I wanted to you watching Trevor Lawrence he's making a lot of mistakes he's throwing the ball and even with the success of the Jaguars this year and they've have been they've been successful I mean they're not winning winning but they're successful it's not because of Trevor Lawrence is just outstanding play it, it's obviously they're running the ball with Robinson and that the the weakness of that team all year last year was their offensive line which has actually played well so. I mean, there are certain to th- and their defense has played very well too. So, I mean, it's not Trevor Lawrence. If, if anything, Trevor Lawrence has been a bust. 
it Trevor really Lawrence has been. rattled really since that Eagles second half. He's been a game. bust because everybody was comparing, oh, this is his second year. He hasn't looked good. He really hasn't. For a guy that everybody says is the next Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, honestly, he's so far the best quarterback in that class so far has been Jones, maybe. Hey, that's that it's since last last year. And this year, um, I know it's been early, but it's really, uh, I guess, Davis Mills. I mean, <laughs> maybe. I mean, nobody's been great. Yet, I mean, so. Zach Wilson is not making mistakes. Yeah. So that's what you want to see. He's not throwing touchdowns where he has five or six touchdowns. Right. And Lawrence was when, like that in the beginning of the season. He looked like he was efficient. Then all of a sudden against the Eagles. He's, he's looked just, horrible. It's been all downhill. Oh, he's he's looked that. horrible. And, and honestly, for a guy that everybody kept saying that he, he's a sure thing, I don't know if he is, okay? I, I just – I don't know. Zach, I think Zach Wilson has the more upside than any quarterback in this class. He just needs to figure out these players that are around him. And when he does and he realizes that I got a guy like Brees Hall, I've got a guy like Elijah Moore, I got a guy like Garrett Wilson, I got an offensive line that actually could protect me, now I could step into the pocket and do what I want and trust that I could throw the ball down the field and they're going to catch it. So – that's when I expect the Jets where we're going to be saying, like, holy crap, this team's going to be good. So that's where I, when I want to – I'll be happy as a Jet fan. Happy as a pig and you know what. But until then, I'll be sitting here every single week wondering uh, where is the mistake going to happen, which is going to cost them the game. What will so, LaMarcus Joyner do wrong? Yeah, so it's that, – that's what scares me every single game. And when I told Speedy the final score of the Green Bay Packer game, he was like – are we talking about Green Bay, 27, Jets 10? I was like, no, 27, 10 Jets, and they whipped their asses. You know, so, I mean, even Aaron Rodgers was shocked to say what he said at the end of the game. This is the NFL. It can ha- anything can happen on every, on any given Sunday. Yeah, you've got bigger problems to deal with your own team. Yeah, his team. I that mean, seems a mess right now. They've been a mess. But I, I think if anybody can figure it out, it's them. So I, I mean, I guess if 2016 Packers can figure it out, they could, but still. John, we really appreciate you, as always. And uh, go Eagles for you. Hopefully go Jets. And maybe we have Jets-Eagles in the Super Bowl. That would be awesome. Not this year. That would would be amazing. I'd feel very confident about that game. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure you will. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot for the opportunity, guys, as always. We love you, man. Uh, We'll get you on very, very soon. We'll get you on another panel where uh, we can uh, rip you on some of the other picks that you're going to have. I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I love we you, can't, We can't all be 100%, man. Uh, not in this business. Well, so. Speak for yourself. I can. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. We, have, we, we had a, uh, a co-host who used to be with this that's network right. that uh, said he was 90% right all the time. Oh, and, to- and, and today he responded to one of my tweets. I was responding to somebody else's tweet that uh, was saying, uh, yeah, Daniel Jones is not better than, than Kyler Murray. I'm like, oh, yeah, we know that. But then he responds with uh, Daniel, Daniel Jones blows or something like that. Like, he even still won't even give him credits. Yeah, yeah he, he nobody nobody will give that kid credit until uh, he gets that team in the playoffs. They win a playoff game, and he's one of the reasons why they win. But but he claims he's 90% right. Yeah, but I, I'll tell you this. If anybody thinks that Daniel Jones isn't a good quarterback, his efficiency has been good. Now, he's not throwing 300 yards, but he outplayed Aaron Rodgers last week, and honestly – he outplayed Lamar Jackson in the in the last two quarters of that game. So say whatever you want about him. He found a way to help his team win. And that is a winner. Say what you want. He is five and one, and everybody else is trying to catch them. So 
Good luck. And and that has that has something to do with no talent around him. He's not throwing anybody. Okay? There is nobody out there and he's still finding a way to win. That's a good quarterback. Say what you want. So I, I think the Giants have something with him. And I, I think that uh at the end of this year, they will give him his fifth year, and then after next year, when Dable has a whole full off season to work with him. That is going to be a completely different Daniel Jones, especially the money that they have off where they can actually go after a wide receiver in the offseason. So um, watch out for the Giants next year. I, if they're playing as well as they are right now, in that, I was about to say, it, crappy division, and there's only one team that really scares me in that division, that's the Eagles, even next year. I don't know what the Cowboys are, honestly. And, and, and the Cowboys, they, they have... C.D. Lamb and Ezekiel Elliott's going to be gone next year. He's not going to be there next year. They have Pollard. They have nothing, and their offensive line is old. That is an old, raggedy offensive line that needs to be rebuilt. I think Pollard's a free agent too. I, I mean, that's that's they're they're going to be rebuilt. I feel bad for Dak because he's going to be running for dear life after next year. Good luck to the Cowboys. It's going to be the Eagles and the Giants, and I'm not even a Giant fan. It's it really hurts me to say that. So. It's Eagles-Giants, that division. And this year it's going to be probably, I think all three teams are making the playoffs. The Cowboys, the Giants, and the Eagles because of their schedules. It's so simple. I, I, I think the NFC East is going to have three teams coming out of that division. Who would have thought that? So it's crazy. Whatever. Anyways, thank you, my friend. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Fantastic. I like John. Yes. He's a good guy. Oh, man. What happened here? What is it? Oh, I guess he just got pulled. Four and a third innings responsible for runner on second, so they must have just pulled him out of the game. How many outs? Is it one out? One out, one out. He went four and a third innings total. Oh, they got Clark Schmidt. He's, he's been pretty good. Yeah, I like Clark Schmidt. He's been actually one of their more versatile relievers, too, which is Well, he, I think he's going to be a starter next year. I think which is what he was as a prospect. He was thought of as a starter, so it's definitely possible with that kind of thing. But right now, the the roles he's been used in so far, he's pitched. I think he's per- like a Jordan Montgomery. He's that type of player. I, I think you can he can give you twelve, uh, you know, eleven, twelve wins. I, I think he's that type of guy. It's not going to be an ace or a two or. Th- I, I think he's a three or four. That's what I think he is. And I, I they liked him. You know, when they when they called him up, he was one of their highly profiled, uh, you know, pitchers when they called right. him up and they, they moved him to the bullpen and uh, he's been good. But I, do I think Taon pitched well in this game? He got very lucky. D, the Yankees defense has been good. Yeah, a lot of hard hit, a lot of hard hit balls too, to left field and right field too, even besides the judge catch too. Yeah, I mean, Grant, um, John Carlos Stanton had a good catch too. Yeah. He, so... But again, it's still not ideal to have those hard hit that quickly off the bat, too. So I just want to see Schmidt get out of this inning and let let uh, let the game be, you know, give the Yankees bullpen an opportunity to have a full inning where there's no bases, you know, runners on base, one one, and see where it goes. I I I don't know what's going to happen in game one, but I I I, I would think that the Yankees have to win one of these games to go back to Yankee yeah. Stadium where they're going to be Yankee Stadium where they can compete in this division series. I mean this this ALCS. He's not pitching the Bregman, which looks like he's getting scared of him. So yeah, which is weird because they just intentionally walked Alvarez. So now they have the runner on second and first, so they don't even have the open base too. And Kyle Tucker has actually outplayed Bregman this year, so I'm surprised that they would have done that. Something like that. He's not throwing to him, so it, it, it seems like he's throwing all over the page. 
either he's not finding his strike zone or he's just not pitching to him. So that's a strike. That's a strike. I don't, All think, the, the, I don't think that's where he wanted it. He's, no, he's, his, I think his, his command is off. He's been calling strikes on top high f- fastballs the whole game. That, but, the, but even still, like they set up to the outside, it seemed like that. They look like they're going to pull him right, right after this guy. Uh, I don't, yeah, Chavino. again, yeah, because it looks like I'm not, I forget if the three batter minimum applies to the playoffs too. I think it still does, so he would have to stay in. But it's yeah, it's good to have the insurance policy right away. Sometimes you see managers wait too long with that kind of thing. That was a strike, and they called that a ball. Yeah, he's that one. That one was definitely questionable. They've a, a couple low ones in this game both ways have been kind of questionable in this game with this umpire. This is this is horrible. He needs to find. He needs to find. That is a strike. Yeah, that looks like a strike to me. So, uh, how do you call that a ball? I mean, these umpires have been horrible in this game. Absolutely horrible. Ma- mainly in that low part of the strike zone, they've been benefiting to the hitters so far. And he tried to pull off his thing. He's lucky there. That was a hanger. <laughs> that was a strike. It was a strike, but yeah, but uh, he's lucky Bregman didn't swing at that because that's probably a double. <laughs> that was not really located well either. That was a strike. Yeah, it's it, this game's crazy, man. He's putting himself in a position, and and now he he's just pitch a strike, man. Let him swing at the ball, double play, give him a pitch that you, you know he's gonna have problems hitting. He's gonna walk him, and then they're gonna be in really trouble. Yep. Right, yep. And now Baron, Tucker's up, who's been probably outside of Alvarez, their next best this offensive is ridiculous. player this, this year. So this has been a huge problem for the Yankees. They they can't find a friggin' they can't find the strike zone. And you're right. The approach just seems odd <laughs> with that kind of thing. You want to Schmidt's somebody that you could stretch out too, and now they have to have the pitching coach out to delay it. But that's somebody you should be able to stretch out more for maybe even more than the three batters, but not after a seven pitch at bat to start against Bregman. After you walk Alvarez, that should your approach should be a little more aggressive. Try to pitch for more of the ground ball. It seemed like he was trying to pitch more for the swing and miss, and he was losing command of that slider, especially. And it seemed very odd because Tucker is a very good hitter, too. Left-handed hitter. It's called pitch a friggin' first strike. Let them start chasing. Uh, you're throwing two balls, and you're going 2-0 and oh against one of the better hitters in baseball. Right. You're giving him a chance that he sees the ball, and he can swing at it. It, it just, almost seemed like there were barely any fastballs in that bat, too, which just seemed very odd when that slider did not look right. I think he tried the fastball later on that just missed in the, on the first pitch, but that, that's really it. And now Tucker is a lefty who hits righties very well. That's not the matchup you want with the bases loaded. So very peculiar to try to, I guess, pitch around Bregman the way he did. Some of it, I think, was a loss of command, but still, I don't like the sequencing there, the strategy. And that is the biggest thing with pitching, just as much as stuff. And I said that about Max Scherzer, too, in the start he had against the Padres. That, he calls that a strike. Yeah, again, this is so He calls weird. that a strike, but <laughs> so it was weird. not even close. That is so weird. It's not even close, and he calls that a strike. But the pitch that he had him struck out, uh, you know, that that's a ball. <laughs> it it doesn't it doesn't make sense. These these umpires this stink. low low They're strike horrible. zone umpires. They're like, horrible, weird, man. Weird tonight. He's been horrible. His his calls at the plate have been absolutely horrible. And what is he pitching? Dude, do you realize it's bases loaded? Honestly, do you realize it's bases loaded? I will say this. Good thing you don't have Gary Sanchez behind the plate. <laughs> the way he's it's talking. just horrible. I, I, I mean, pitch it around the strike zone. It, it's it, it, it Hit the corners. You're a, you're a starting pitcher in the league. And you're going to sit here. If he walks a play, be, be, uh, batter home, I, I mean, he Aaron Boone's going to get killed on this. Double play. Come on. Until double play. Yep, they got it. They got lucky. 
That was a good pitch there. Got the ground ball he needed. Just weird, though. He still kept going to that slider. Uh, it must have been the way approach that he was taking, but that was good. Located it well and was able to get soft contact. You got lucky. All right. Anyways, uh, why don't we go to a quick break? When we come back, we will go through uh, the week and recap the week in the NFL here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know. This is the Weekend Crunch. Well, uh, you, Speedy, what is this? I said the Weekend Crunch because of the, the music. This is the Sports Loudmouth. 631-672-3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy, what is that? This is Cool G Rep and DJ Polo. Why was there music behind it? You know, it's supposed to be instrumental. Okay, so just remember that. Uh, well, it's been a crazy show. I'd like to thank uh, uh, assistant baseball coach Jerry Oaks from Elon for joining us. And obviously, um, football sapien owner and scouting consultant John Vogel for joining us as well. They're both fantastic guests, as always. And uh, I guess we're going to go through the week in the NFL from each game, our thoughts, from every one of the games, Speedy, are you ready? Alrighty. All right, let's of, go. A lot of upsets in this week in particular. We'll start with one of the big ones, the Falcons, 28-14 to over the 49ers. A very impressive game plan, I think, from Arthur Smith, one of the best ones this year because the Falcons, Drake London, very limited. Kyle Pitts in a tough matchup against those coverage linebackers that the Niners have. And really, without Cordero Patterson, they made the creativity work, too. And the Falcons' defense continues to be very underrated this year. Did a good job at... Not limiting, containing all three of those weapons. Ayuk was really the only one that went off, like you mentioned in your picks. I will say this. Marcus Mariota was 13 for 14, 129 yards, two touchdowns. He was very efficient, even though, and I said this, you don't need to throw three, 400 yards to have a good game. He was very efficient, 13 for 14. He made really one mistake. That's it. I mean, he threw one bad pass, and he would have been 14 for 14. And Jimmy Garoppolo was 29 for 41, 296 yards, two touchdowns, but he threw two interceptions, which I believe cost them the game. It wasn't a high-flying offense. It was really all about the defense, and that was the most impressive thing about uh, the Falcons pulling off a real stunner. Um, as the Falcons are 3-3, three and three, tied with San Francisco, and a team like the, the, the Falcons, who nobody thought – Going into week seven was going to be three and three and possibly a, a playoff team and contender. Uh, it's been very impressive with, you know, Kyle Pitts, who's really not had much of a season so right. far. So it's been impressive. All right. The New England Patriots, 38 to 15, a absolute domination against the Cleveland Browns. They blew up the Browns last year, but doing it this year under those circumstances. Very impressive. I mean, maybe they have a, a little bit, I don't know about a competition, a quarterback competition. but Oh, it's going to be because uh, if, <laughs> if, if Jones comes back. And he doesn't play well, uh, believe it, it will be a competition because Bally Zappi is, is the real deal. Maybe he is Tom Brady. Maybe, maybe, maybe he shows up and it turns out to be the Tom Brady because 
He was, uh, what, a fourth-round draft pick? I think he was later than that. I think he was a fifth-round pick. Yeah. And uh, he's been impressive in his last two games. Yeah, I, I, two other guys that have been very impressive. Ramondre Stevenson looking like a really good running back so far. He had spurts last year, but he's outplayed Damian Harris the last three weeks. Well, yeah, Damian Harris didn't play last week. No, I know that. But uh, And also Devontae Parker, too, has come onto his own. He was a guy that has struggled with the Dolphins with injuries in the past, struggled this year with the Patriots so far, but the last two weeks has played well. He's got good chemistry with Zappy, which he doesn't have with Jones. So that that's the difference. But Bailey Zappy is really the talk of the town right now. He has been the quarterback, 309 yards, 24 to 30, 24 of 34. Really impressive. Two touchdowns. Uh, kept himself on a foot. He's on his feet. He actually moves very well out of the pocket. Uh, he's been fun to watch. He really has. If you're a Patriot fan, maybe you do have something. Hunter Henry had a pretty good game. Four receptions, 61 yards, one touchdown. Uh, he has a good rapport with him. I, and really the Browns, I don't know what's going on with the Browns, but uh, you wanted to be a little bit over 500 when uh, your star quarterback uh, finally starts the season uh, after week 11. But uh, I don't know what's going on with them. Uh, I think they need to f- search. I-, I think they need a soul search or something because they've been horrible in the last two games. So uh, very impressive what the Patriots did. In week number six. All right. The uh, the Minnesota Vikings beating the Miami Dolphins 24-16. to Dolphins hanging tough despite having a third-string quarterback again. Who actually, or Teddy Bridgewater actually was in this time. Uh, 329 yards he did have in that game. So a little bit more concerned with the Vikings secondary. Both Hill and Waddle went off like they were supposed to. But uh, Minnesota's defense doing just enough to bend, don't break. And Dalvin Cook... 77 yards, but it was very efficient in that game. And Justin Jefferson, another 100-yard game, too, for him as they continue, like you mentioned, many weeks to force-feed him. Yeah. I, listen, Minnesota is one of the better teams in the NFC, but they haven't really impressed anybody with their games, especially in the second half of that game. Miami put on a pretty good, uh, you know, had a pretty good game plan in, game, you know, in the second half of the game. Uh, I, I like what McDaniels has done with the, the young quarterback, Tompkins. Uh, Tompkins, I think his name Thompson, is. Yep. Thompson, I'm sorry. Uh, he actually put him in good positions to, to succeed. And, uh, you know, uh, Teddy Br- I'm sorry, Teddy Bridgewater uh, started the game pretty strong, and then they brought in Thompson. So, what was that a foul? That yeah, wasn't foul. a foul. Yep. Um, but 23 for 34 for Teddy Bridgewater, 329 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. But... Uh, you know, it, it, I I was very impressed with the the running game for the Dolphins. They just they came up short against a team that keeps overloading the throws to Justin Jefferson, who has been overloaded after overloaded. He didn't have many touchdowns, but six six uh, receptions for 107 yards. Uh, Thielen actually had a touchdown at 36 yards, but this is going to be their bye week. Been very impressed with Minnesota five and one. They're probably going to run away with that division the way Green Bay has played the last couple yeah. of weeks. So. Uh, very impressive uh, with uh, Kirk Cousins and those uh, goons. So we recap the Jets-Packers already, so uh, we'll move on to the Colts. Their second straight win, they beat the Jaguars 34-27. to And as you mentioned, Trevor Lawrence continuing to have some trouble in recent weeks. Very much oh, so. Only 165 yards in this game. The Colts really just let him run. Etienne had a nice game, 86 yards, but that was really it. They really The secondary for the Colts, which was supposed to be better than it has been in recent weeks, or in the start of the season, has been really... Finally coming into its own. Matt Ryan coming into his own, too, with 389 yards in this game. It almost like this offense with Frank Reich has been a little more creative without Jonathan Taylor so far. And that's a good sign when he does come back. But, again, maybe it's a little different not having your star there. And he's actually more creative. The Colts stink, okay? They play the Jaguars. All right? You sit here. They're 3-2-1. and one. I, I'm telling you right now, they are a complete bust of an organization right now. They're not winning that division. 
Tennessee is going to run away with that division when they get a little bit more healthier. Um, listen, I they've been. I thought they were by far the best team in that division. They're not. Matt Ryan had a pretty decent game, but that doesn't explain anything what we've seen so far this season. The only thing that they should be excited about is Michael Pittman's the real deal. He is the real deal, Pittman. That's about it. Uh, Deion Jackson, all the different guys that had decent games, good for them. The, the only thing that really stands out to me so far is the Pittman. Besides that, nothing else really, really sells to me about this team. This team is not good. So there you go. And Taylor is hurt, which is definitely going to affect him if he if he misses a couple of games this year. So. All right, Joe Burrow's return to New Louisiana. The Bengals down the Saints by a final of thirty to twenty-six. Big whoop! And this was a lot of Joe Burrow because they had no running game once again. Their offensive line and that running game continues to struggle. This Bengals offense still looks one-dimensional. But the first game yardage-wise, really, this season for Jamar Chase, he hasn't really gotten it going. He made a lot of tough catches, but statistically, this was his best game: seven catches, one hundred thirty-two yards against Marshawn Lattimore, who was having a very good year so far. Had his first really bad game of the season. And the Saints, Alvin Kamara did fine, but that's really it offensively. They didn't have the same versatility as previous Look at the weeks. weapons they have on this team. How are you not scoring? Does that make any sense? Well, Zach Taylor's not great either. They have all these weapons, and they have a lot of entries at the wide receiver position. You could see that, but how do you, how do you have all these weapons? You can't do anything. I mean, seriously. I know Andy Dalton's the quarterback, but that's not an excuse. And this defense is supposed to be shut down type of defense. And the Bengals... They're, they're not the same team they were last year. Uh, Burroughs has had not very good season. I, I mean, yes, he had 28 for 37, three touchdowns, no interceptions, finally, uh, a game without any interceptions. But for a guy that everybody thinks is the next thing since you know Tom Brady, I was one of them, uh, he has been an absolute bust this year. So, And so have the Bengals. 3-3, three and three, they should be 6-0 and oh, the, way they, the, the way their division has played. So, um, yeah, that's all I could say about that. Yeah, Zach Taylor, a lot of that's on you. Uh, the upset of the week, the Pittsburgh Steelers knock off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20-18. to A clinic by that defense, too. Tom Brady, 243 yards and a touchdown, but beyond that, really not much. Goblin was really the only one that often. That Steelers pass rush without the without T.J. Watt there actually played well against that offensive line, so give him some credit there. Uh, Kenny Pickett. He started the game, then I think got I hurt. I like what I see with Kenny Pickett. Yeah, he, I he, do. He looked good in the birdie end, then he got hurt. Then Mitch Trubisky comes in, and like we were talking about with John with the uh, Alabama quarterbacks, mm-hmm. uh, they weren't ready for Mitch Trubisky to come into the game, and he actually played well. Chase Claypool actually played well, too, for the first time in who knows how long, too. Seven catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown against that tough secondary. Kenny Pickett, 11 for 18, 67 yards, and a touchdown. He played very well before he got hurt. I, I think they have something with Kenny Pickett, and when he figures things out, he's going to be a fun player to watch. I think he has the confidence level of what you want to see from your quarterback. But Mitchell Trubisky came in, 9 for 12, 144 yards, a touchdown. Uh, they, Najee Harris had uh, 42 yards, 14 carries. That's not something that really stands out. Uh, but uh, like you said, Chase Claypool showed up. Uh, Deontay Johnson needs to learn how to catch a ball. I mean, I don't know what the hell is going on with him, but he's supposed to be their number one guy, and he, just, he keeps dropping the ball. It's been garbage, but very impressive uh, for a young quarterback and, and a young a team that really has been horrible the last two weeks to show up in a game and knock off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nobody would have thought that was going to happen. So congratulations to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm.
All right, on to the 4 o'clock games. The L.A. Rams get back on track. They knock off the Carolina Panthers 24-10. I mean, they got back on track a little, I should say. I don't know how much they did. Their offensive line still has having some concerns. And Cooper Cup's really just doing everything. They don't have anything else with the depth on the offense like we've seen in years past. So now Cam Akers wants to be traded because he's not getting the carries. Daryl Henderson was all right, but it's all, it's all Cooper Cup and everybody else. This defense is really carrying them right now because everything else does not look good for this Rams team, even in this game that they won. Oh, I'm trying to look, I'm trying to get the game over here so I could get the the numbers that really stand out to me. Um, listen, I, I don't know what's going on with the Rams. Matthews is 100 percent healthy, and now Houston hit a home run. Who who pitched that ball? Who hit the home run? By the way, looks like Guriel. Yep, Guriel. Uh, well, the game's over now because the Yankees aren't scoring. 108 miles per hour off the bats. Who's pitching? I, is yeah, it they're Schmitt? not showing. They're not showing it. I... Is it Schmidt? Did they bring him back out? Well, they had to with the three batter minimum. I don't know. If, oh, no. Tucker was the third batter, so I'm not sure if they had to bring him out. <sighs> Why do they have it? Say, I hate the edge. Yep, Schmitt. but it's still Schmidt. Okay. Yeah. My, I would pull him now. I would pull him. Yeah, it's surprising or not. They can't hit Verlander, but they're hitting the, they've are hitting. they been smacking the ball from the Yankee pitchers tonight. Yeah, that was Smacking the ball. Right up in, in the middle of the plates. Missed a spot there. The Yankees sure. need to figure out how to hit the ball because they, they have – you know, Donaldson has been horrible. Yeah. He has been horrible. Yeah, it's second and third, one out. You had a chance to score runs, and, and he strikes out. He's, he's been horrible. And I, I'm going to honestly tell you this, to say this, the Yankees need, uh, I think, next week. I'm um, um, sorry, next week. Next I, round. I, I think, no, the, tomorrow, I think they, they should really think about not, you know, having Josh Donaldson uh, – they take Josh Donaldson out of the game. Mm-hmm. I, I I would not play him. He's not hitting the ball. Yeah, he's striking out every single time he's up. That's a guarantee out. But question: Who's going to play third base for the Yankees? Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, are they going to put Cabrera? Could they move Cabrera to third base? I guess that would be the only option, unless they tried IKF over there. But I don't know. They don't really have that. That's the one position they have a lot of middle infield depth because that's where LeMahieu. You're not playing Cabrera tonight. I know. That's where LeMahieu being hurt really hurts because he could play third, but they're not going to because of that. Yeah. This is crazy. Anyways, uh, we're at the Rams. Um, They played the Carolina Panthers. Obviously, uh, after the game, after all the stuff that happened to uh, ex-Jed, what's his name again? Robbie Uh, Anderson. Robbie Anderson. They traded him to the Arizona Cardinals after – the loss of Brown, because Brown got hurt the other day. So yeah. uh, they needed a wide receiver. The, the coaches pulled him out because Robbie Anderson couldn't keep his mouth shut. So uh, not surprised. But, uh, listen, the LA Rams is having problems scoring, go- uh, scoring parts. It's all Cooper Cup. Uh, Allen Robinson, I don't know why they're having problems getting the ball to Allen Robinson. He's still a, a pretty good player. And that means Odell Beckham could be a very important piece uh, to try to bring back to, to be the other guy on this very weak offensive team. So crazy to say that, but there you go. Uh, Rams surprised uh, Carolina, even though it wasn't much of a surprise. All right, an ugly, ugly game. Speaking of bad coaching, the Seahawks beating the Cardinals 19-9. to Some ugly coaching from Cliff Kingsbury. Geno Smith, that's all I'm going to say. Geno Smith uh, did his a little bit, 90, 197 yards. It doesn't matter how many yards. But Kenneth Walker, your guy, had a nice game, 97 yards and a touchdown. Arizona still had trouble. That kid's going to be a star, too. He's uh, a Arizona star. continues to have trouble stopping the run. Kyler Murray got a good amount of yards and run, ran the ball very well, but could not convert in the red zone. The Cardinals' red zone offense continues to be a big problem for them. Another home run. It was a big issue for them last year. They got to pull this kid out. Chaz McCormick. Wow. They got to pull this guy out. What are they keeping him in the game for? 
This is Aaron Boone's problem. Take him out of the game. Chaz McCormick, their eight-hitter, who's a light, another light-hitting guy. Tell me they're going to keep him in again. Wow. The game's over. Game's over. Yeah. They're not scoring three runs. They're not scoring three runs against. Verlander's going to be called out again at 102 pitches. Mm-hmm. They can't hit against him. And this was the best bullpen in the American League last year, so we'll see. This is horrible. Off of and they're going to keep this kid out again. Wow. Pull him out of the game. Oh, no, they are pulling him. Okay. They should have pulled him out after the first home run. Damn. Right down the middle. Wonderful. Right in his bread basket. Great job. That's Aaron Boone's fault. After he gave up that home run, he should have pulled him. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I was done. You so say you have a Cardinal seal. Geno Smith, good for him. Cardinals stink. That's all I'm going to say. Good. Kyler Murray, when you're Kyler Murray is your, your leading rusher on your team, there's a problem. Yep. All right, you were right about this one. The Buffalo Bills overcame their demons, at least for now, beating the Kansas City Chiefs by a final of 24 to 20. And you said it before, Josh Allen outplaying Patrick Mahomes in this game has outplayed him for much of the season. 329 yards, three touchdowns, and Stephon Diggs finally showing up against the Chiefs. The Chiefs have usually been able to contain him well. Usually it was Gabe Davis. He had a nice game too, but it was Diggs. Ten catches, 148 yards, and a touchdown. And that pass rush, I actually give a lot of credit to against that very good Chiefs offensive line, I think was the biggest X factor in this game. I'm just so pissed off. I, I'm just I, I don't know how they kept that kid in. They, they saw that he didn't have it. He didn't have it in the last inning. Yeah. They bring him out. He gives up a t- he gives up a home run, and then you keep him in, and he, they smack another home run, back to back home runs. Yeah. So a guy that's a 200 barely hitter. How could you do that? Now you you, you put your team in a position to they, they're going to lose. It's going to be very hard. To hit home right, and, and they're going to bring Justin Verlander out for another inning. Why not? Because he's yeah. a workhorse, yeah. and the Yankees can't hit him. So, I mean, they're going to go into the seventh inning where the Yankees could not hit him all game. They got Bader hit a home run in the first, in the second inning. Great for the Yankees. Great loss. Unbelievable. Horrible. That was bad management. You have a young guy on the mound who's never pitched in the playoffs, never pitched in the ALCS. You saw that he didn't have it. You kept him in. What is he going to say? What is he going to say at the end of the game? I want to hear what Aaron Boone's going to say. Well, I think you had it. You're wrong, Aaron. This was your mistake. This was. I'll blame this on Aaron Boone. Mm -hmm. This was his fault. And they're they're laughing. I I I want to see the Yankees smack a three-run homer and win this game. Shut these idiots up. Really, I can't stand them. Anyways, Josh Allen outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Pretty much said and done. Patrick Mahomes threw two interceptions. Josh Allen threw none. That was really the the. The, the understanding of this game. that That's why the game ended the way it did. And and Josh Allen, last minute and 30 seconds, needed to come back. He did that hurdle jump over the defensive lineman and completely took over the game at the end of the game. So fantastic. Wonderful. And that's why they won. All right. Sunday night football. The Eagles stay undefeated. They knock off the Cowboys 26-17. to 17, And hopefully we'll at Josh least Donaldson. Being... By the way, Josh Donaldson laughing. What are you laughing at, you idiot? Your team is losing. He's laughing at his own play. Yeah, good. He he's, he's looking at him. It was a smirk on his face. Take your smirk off your face, you moron. You're the one, one of the reasons why the Yankees don't have any runs. You have one run because of Bader. You can't even hit the ball. You're horrible.
Well, speaking of taking a smirking, looking at stupid ass. Speaking of taking a smirk off somebody's face, hopefully, hopefully this performance by Cooper Rush will take a smirk off Jerry Jones' face and actually realize there's no quarterback competition. Dak Prescott will return when he's healthy and be the starting quarterback of this team. So hopefully that shuts his mouth for the time being. Zeke did all he could, 81 yards, but that was really it. And good game plan, I think, by Nick Sirianni. I think they did a good job, like you were saying before, trying to make Micah Parsons the uh, the primary defender on certain run plays. And I think they were able to decoy and make sure that the linemen attacked him nicely. And I think that ended up working nicely. 26 points, got more field goals maybe, but that was really the only flaw. I think beyond that, very good by Sirianni and Hurts in this game. Uh, Jalen Hurts had a good, a good game. In the second half, uh, you know, it was really defense versus defense, but... Uh, very impressive of what they did in the secondary all throughout the game. Stopping C.D. Lamb and really making the Cowboys chase. The Cowboys weren't 100% healthy, and we all know what Cooper Rush is now. He is a second-tier quarterback. Please let's see Dak Prescott come back. And I think they were waiting for him to lose at least one game so you didn't have to hear it from the fans. Uh, quarterback controversy. Dak is so much better than Cooper Rush, period. All right. Uh, before, before we get to our final game, uh, we have uh, Kenny on the line. <laughs> Kenny, what's up, man? Hello, gentlemen. Wrong two weeks in a row. Wrong? What are you talking about? He's talking about the Giants. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we both picked the Ravens. Good. We know. We good. know. Good. The, 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 Green the, Bay. Uh, good. The, the Giants, the only reason why the Giants won those games, and let's be honest, the only reason why they won those games is because the Green Bay Packers made the, the – Aaron Rodgers couldn't make a throw at the 10-yard line, and uh, Lamar Jackson dropped the ball twice in back-to-back drives. That's yeah, the only Lamar reason Jackson why that sucks. Well, he doesn't stink. It's, it's it's really the team. They have all these big leads, and the defense can't hold up. This is one of the more talented defenses in the NFL. They have all that talent, and they stink. That that's really it's not Lamar Jackson's fault. It's no. the defense. The defense, well, and that has a lot to do with Wink. Ball. It has a lot to do with Wink Martindale being with the Giants, yeah. and not with the Baltimore Ravens. Mike McDonald's coming from college and has been horrible so far. He only that's true, uh, but. <laughs> They are definitely going to win this week. Uh, they're playing the Jaguars. Well, don't don't quit your day job on that, okay? I won't, but you know they have five. <laughs> matches, why are the Yankees? Okay? Why are the Yankees putting their hands up like it was such a great thing? They gave up back to back home runs in this in this uh, this inning, which probably cost them this game. Okay, I, I, I don't. I do not think they're winning this game because uh, they can't hit Verlander. Verlander has been dominant in this game. So. I'm saying that uh, they have five matches against good teams, five matches against bad teams. Listen, I've been very impressed with the Giants. Nobody would have thought going into week seven that they would be five and one. Nobody. Right. Not right. even you. Nobody did. Right. I think uh, of the five good teams, they could easily beat one of those. And of the crappy teams, they could probably beat uh, all of them. Uh. I think the Giants are going to have problems with one of these teams. I do. I, I think it's Seattle. I, I think Seattle's going to give them a game, and I think Seattle could beat them because the, Seattle's played well for the last couple of weeks, and Geno Smith right. is actually well, not a bad quarterback. Crazy th- to say that. There are actually four bad teams. Seattle's even, so they may be a good team. They may not be a good team. Mm. It's not Seattle, though, so that'll give them a crowd advantage. Though. And the Texans. And they're definitely probably not going to beat the Eagles. But and, and, no. the te- and the Texans, even though on paper the Giants might be better, the Texans have some good playmakers. That They could beat the Giants. They could show up and beat the Giants. Yeah. Anybody <laughs> could beat the Giants for one reason. The Giants don't really have a lot of talent offensively. And in that, because they of that. Defense. 
That's the yes, their sure. defense is playing well. Wink has got them playing. But besides that, their offense, if you could stop Saquon Barkley, you're probably going to have a chance to win these games. Unless Daniel Jones is running for dear life, which he could right. be doing too. But Halfway into the Green Bay game, Mr. was out, potentially injured. Then he came back at the end of the game and caught the ball. Hmm. I, I just think the Giants think I, I say whatever you want. I would say it's luck that they're five and one, but nevertheless they're five and one. So you can't really attack them for what they have done. They they've played well and and they've played harder than all the other teams that they've played against at the end of the game. That's why they are where they are. So and kudos to the to your Jets. Uh, yes. They beat Green Bay. I told you they were going to do that. You you were telling me That's I was true. on my mind, but. I, I told. Well, I you. remember you said the Giants beating the Ravens. You're on drugs. Yes, I did, and and, and honestly, I, th- there was no way I thought in hell uh, going into the fourth quarter the Giants were going to win that game. Okay, they I were... actually passed out in the fourth quarter. <laughs> well, 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 what, what was your what was your smoking of choice? I think the I think, I think the Ravens uh, were. I think I the Ravens high that day. I was just really tired. <laughs> oh. I think the Ravens at that in that. That quarter, I'm not. What was the score? That it game? was twenty to ten at one point. Twenty to ten. It was six minutes to go. I think it was twenty Gentlemen, to ten. I'm not always stoned. I've been no. sick for the past couple of days. I'm happy that you're okay, but and you can listen to the show tomorrow. Cause tomorrow's show is going to be fun. It's going to be a really fun game, a uh, fun show. But um, okay, I'll listen. Um, but I will say this: the being that they were down by ten in, in six minutes left against the the, the Baltimore Ravens, it, usually the game is over. Okay, but for some reason, yeah. this Raven team can't keep a lead. Yeah. So, but the secondary yeah. that's fantastic on paper, they just really struggle at the end of games for whatever reason. Yeah. So, well, it, it seems like the Giants are second half team. That's what they are. Well, they are, but still, like you would think, with the lackluster receivers they have against the Ravens, what's supposed to be a very impressive secondary. The Giants, the Giants, it. just they believe, and when you believe, anything can happen. Yeah. They go out and there and win I'd without any talent. It's great defense, and the new coach doesn't. Suck. The last guy didn't really know how oh, to win. Dable, the last three coaches didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Dable, Dable's going to be there a long time. He's going to be there a long time. I, I'm telling you right now. The Giants are going to have Dable there for at least 10 years. Uh, I believe he is, he's the guy that's going to transition that team. Since Tom Coughlin, they finally found the, the guy that's going to transition that organization. I think, yeah. he's, I think he's fantastic. And I honestly, uh, that was the guy I wanted before Robert Sala, I I wanted Dable and well, you saw getting the first game right. They went for the two pointer. You know the old coach would have said, "Let's tie it and go to overtime." No, no, yeah, the they played for the play, win. Let's right. win right now. Yeah, they played for the win, which I don't mind you trying to do yeah. as an up. Uh, if you're the underdog, the Raiders tried to do it last week against the Chiefs. Again, they were trying to do it as the underdog. I, I don't really mind that kind of thing, but you're right. You're right. Uh, these other coaches probably wouldn't have done it. I mean, heck, the other coaches, they probably wouldn't have even scored a touchdown, but still. Yeah, but then, <laughs> you know, you could lose in overtime. Anybody could. Yeah, I, I didn't hate that. I didn't hate that. Obviously, in hindsight, it's easy to say because it's work, but again, when you're the underdog, same thing with college football, too. I don't mind teams trying to go for the win like they a lot of the times they they do that, going for two and yeah. trying to win the game. The Ra- again, like I said, the Raiders try to do the same thing. The Ravens have tried yeah. The Ravens tried to do it a couple times last year. I think the Steelers did it a couple times last year against the Ravens, and they got it. So it, it, Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it is bold. We're seeing a lot more with the analytics in football. Yeah, it's, 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 it, if you're a Giant fan, you should be excited. 
um, as well as she should be, because this team was not expected to win that many games. I thought but, that I thought they were going to win eight games this year. Uh, you I know, think they could turn in a winning record. Oh, they're definitely going to win. They're definitely going to have a winning record. The way they're going right now, they they they. <laughs> They have three games that are much winnable. I think they could go if they win two out of these three games. They're seven and two. Yeah. Okay, and that means they're going into their bye week. Uh, at the worst, the Giants win ten games this year. That's what I think right now. Yeah. Uh, at the worst, they win ten games. And I could potentially win that bet. Still, yeah. they're a game ahead I, of the Jets. I think you're going to win that bet, honestly, because uh, the Jets have a very hard schedule, and the Giants' schedule is easy. So and and I think that I, I looked at and they played the Bills twice. And that's going to be two hard Jets, games for them to win. The Jets aren't winning ten games. The Giants are going to. So yeah, you're going to win that bet because definitely. Uh, well, you know that's one bet out too. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're probably going to win that bet because unfortunately, I, I don't think the right. Jets are going to win. So I, I listen. I think the Jets win eight or nine games this year with even with their hard schedule. The Jets have they had the fifth, fifth hardest schedule in football, and they were one of the worst teams. They had a worse record than the Giants, and the Giants have, have an easier schedule than the Jets. It doesn't yeah. make sense. It, that, none of it makes sense that, how the NFL plans this. It yeah, doesn't. It's a weird year. No, oh, no, it's a weird year. Well, it's a, it's a rotation. The last thing, so. three years, they, the Jets have had a top seven worst schedule in, fo- in football. You are one of the worst. The Jets, two years, before, two years in a row, they were a top three worst team in the NFL. Top three. Okay, wow. and they had, last year they had the fifth, wor- fourth worst hardest schedule. The year before that they had the third, and this year they have the fifth. It doesn't make sense. Wow. And, and and the Jets were they had the fourth pick this year's draft. It doesn't make sense. The NFL needs to figure this out because well, it's it's Giants, very frustrating. Uh, their Eagles games. There's only a couple games in between them, so that's the tough thing about that schedule. Yeah, they're week 14 and week 18, so it's going to be tough with that. But, you know, in between should be some easy games. Yeah, there's gonna, there's still the only other, like, definitively they hard. twice. Oh, yeah. they're going to probably win both. You would think. I mean, we'll, we'll, it's still tough with division games. But, yeah, the only sure. game that's definitively hard right now is Minnesota besides the Eagles at the moment. This was bad managing, yeah. by the way, for, for our – but is it in Minnesota or New York? I think it's at Minnesota this year. Oh, that's going to be tough. I, 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 think, I think they played at New York They're the not going to win that game. I don't think they're going to win either way. But they're not going to win that game. Yeah, especially if it's They have Minnesota. nobody that could stop Jefferson. So, that's good luck. True. They have nobody that's going to stop him. They don't have well, corners. I, think, I don't think it's going to be like they get killed by Minnesota. I think if they keep it close, they have a chance. If not, well, that's only one they game. They don't have a chance in that game. I'll bet you on that. They don't have a chance. I'm not yeah, it's, at Min- it's at Minnesota week 16. They I don't have a chance. the last couple weeks. You should have. You yeah. should have. But now don't, I'm not going to bet you the, the, the next three weeks because uh, they're all three of them. The, the game that I think they're going to probably lose is Seattle. I, I think that's the game they lose. But I think they beat the Texans. Look at them dance around. I can't stand the Houston Astros. I really well, can't stand I, them. I'm, I'm glad that they have a chance to have a winning record. Well, there <laughs> you go. Are we all? Thank you, Kenny. Uh, what do you think of the uh, Yankees in the ALCS? Oh, Errol just vented on that during our guests. Honestly, the fact that they left that kid Schmidt in after he gave up that home run, it was absolutely terrible. And you should be down 2-1 to one going into the eighth inning, not uh, going into the bottom of the seventh, not down 3-1. to one. And I, I mean, I just, what do you think their chances in oh, I, the I th- ALCS if they, overall? If, if the if the Yankees could win one of these games and go back home for the three games, 
I, I, I think the Yankees can compete against Houston. I do. They have to win one of these games. They're going to have to yeah. win two games in Houston. That's they can't what I believe. Go uh, zero and two, and go home. No, and, and I, I, Taon didn't pitch a bad game, even though he didn't have his good stuff. He really didn't. They, being that it was one-one in the sixth inning against Verlander, was completely shutting them down. Um, that was good. And then they bring in this kid Schmidt, who didn't have it. You knew he didn't have it, but you kept him in even longer than you yeah. should have. That was a big mistake by uh, Aaron Boone. He's going to have to make – he's going to make excuses at the end of the game when the press asked him, why did you keep that kid in when he gave up that home run when he know. didn't have his stuff? He well, didn't. Know, managers make dumb decisions sometimes. Well, it wasn't dumb. It's just he's a young player. Well, sometimes the decision doesn't make sense, and you're like, why are you bringing this guy in? Sometimes it doesn't make sense and it works, and it works the yeah. other way around. Sometimes, sometimes the decision looks works, good and it doesn't. Like, well, that didn't work hit. out at all. Well, but there's a difference when you clearly tomorrow. See. If they lose this game tomorrow, is a very important game for the Yankees. Yep. It's going to be a very yeah. important game for them because they cannot go down 2-0 going back home against this team. Okay, they cannot. Definitely not. Because right. thank you, yes. gentlemen, for taking my phone call. You're welcome. And all. We'll talk to you. Um, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, we'll like talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, maybe we'll talk to you tomorrow. You know, you never know. Uh, maybe not. I'll, I'll see how I'm feeling. All right. Listen to the yeah, show. Feel bro. better soon, man. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Oh, what Kenny. a nice guy, Kenny. Oh, Kenny. Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. Kenny All right. Kenny. We got one more game. Was The Monday night game was the Broncos at the Chargers. The Chargers winning it 19-16. to 16, Crappy game. Very ugly game. Crappy game. But I will do one thing that I don't usually do, and that's give the Chargers credit for some grit in this game. They had, I always say, all right, they have the talent, but they dominate, and they don't do it when they face adversity. One thing, they didn't have all those, they had all those offensive line injuries. Two, Justin Herbert did, I think, Obviously, he threw the ball 57 times. He didn't have a great game. But when Mike Williams being taken out, he still didn't want to force feed him. Was still spreading the ball around nicely. Austin Eckler was really their only good offensive player in this game. But this Chargers team's got a little bit of grit, though, amidst all these injuries so far. Something I haven't seen with this Chargers, the, the Chargers at all since 2013. It really was the battle of defenses. Uh, one defense played a little bit better than the other. Both teams played very, very well defensively. Uh, both quarterbacks went, eh. I mean, Herbert wasn't so great. Uh, Russell Wilson was really bad in certain aspects of the game. So uh, I don't know what's going on with Russ. Maybe Russ is hurt. I, I, I don't know. Some people think that he is. Um, and Herbert, 37 for 57, he hasn't had a good season. Maybe it's because of his hip or uh, whatever, his rib injury. Yeah. Who the hell knows? But honest to God, uh, this was a horrible, disgusting, boring game. Even both running teams. Both both running teams are running, running type of – you know, teams, and both of them couldn't run the ball. So that was just a horrible playing game. Good for that. Chargers, End of the season. Chargers got their full-blown revenge on Melvin Gordon. Got him benched. Honestly, both the, it, Chargers, should, even though they're 4-2, and two, they shouldn't be 4-2. and two. And Denver is 2-4. and four. They should be even worse than 2-4. and four. They're <laughs> horrible. So that's all I could say about so far of the NFL season. Week 6, done. Week 7, we'll go over tomorrow. You can shut the music, Speedy. It's over. Oh my God! I'm just I'm I'm kind of upset with this whole. There's another home run that's gone. Oh boy, that's a moonshot, Jeremy Pena. Just it's just horrible. It, it's just I I I don't know what's going on with the Yankees, but and Pena's been killing them tonight. Pena has two doubles in a home run. It, it's it's horrible. Pena was big in the other series too against Seattle. Now taking it over to the Yankees. 
Replacing that Carlos Correa role very well for the postseason. And you're seeing why why I was worried going into the series. Their bullpen. The Yankees' bullpen has been horrible. And the two guys that had pitched well in the last series, they haven't brought them in. Yeah. Peralta and, uh, and Loisica. Two guys that have been dominant guys for their, their bullpen. And now you, you're going to see tomorrow. Maybe maybe they, they bring them in when they have the lead. They're going to have to because they really don't have a choice. Even if it's a tie game, they really don't have a choice at this point because they cannot go down too well. And you can't expect them to play the the way it looked in 2017 where all seven home games were the winners. You can't really bank on that. You have to steal one in Houston and have a shot. This is just horrible. I mean, if you're a Yankee fan, what you say, that's Mont- is that Mont- Frank- Frank- Montez is in, which you, you said would happen. They're going to bring him out of the bullpen, but not off to a good start. He doesn't have the – he doesn't – look, at right down the middle. Yeah. Everything is down the middle with the Yankees. The Yankees have thrown so many hanging sliders in this game, and you have to realize, all right, Maybe you have to try a different approach. These guys are hitting them. Down the middle again. I, I mean, that dipped a little bit. It was a changeup that was pretty good, but again, what should be a little lower, you would think, for a ground ball, especially to Alvarez. It's just horrible, man. It's just horrible. And Frankie Montez, I don't know, maybe an offseason with the Yankees and just figuring things out. He has been horrible since they brought him here. He's been horrible. Yeah. But even regardless of stuff, I do not like this pitch sequencing in this game by any of the Yankees pitchers so far. Mm. Anyways, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back tomorrow. Who do we have on tomorrow? All right, 10.30, we have a former Southern Illinois uh, manager, uh, Independent League baseball manager, and he's the COO, Mike uh, Pinto. He'll be Mm. joining us at 10.30, manager of the Southern Illinois Minors, and then at 11 p.m., we have a uh, Giants guy, Elite Sports New York Giants writer, and NFL writer Ryan Honey. How wonderful. Great show. Uh, we will have, you know, maybe reach out to Derek. Maybe we'll get Derek on again. Why not? We'll make All our right. picks with Derek again. If Derek wants to come on, we'll have him on again. We'll have fun with Derek. I like Derek. Lots of consecutive shows with the Eagles fans on. <laughs> Why not? I, I like Derek. Yeah, I like his. Uh, I the Mountain see of the Knowledge. The Mountain of Knowledge. I want to see what our, our records are right now. So we'll find out tomorrow. Uh, thank you to, uh, obviously, Elon's assistant baseball coach, Jerry Oaks, for joining us. Also, I'd like to thank uh, uh, football sapien owner and scouting consultant, John Vogel, for joining us as well. Uh, thank you to all the fans that listen to us every single week. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. Until then, this is Errol Marks, Speedy Beatty, saying good night. We'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.